Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
song. What a song. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hump day. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last week. We had phenomenal episodes last week. Everything you could want in a program. Amazing guests. Uh, unbelievable dialogue. Uh, just perfect rhythm and flow. I mean, the show just keeps evolving, getting better and better. We have a lot planned for the future of the Rory Sauter Show. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are all incredible. The show is listened to in 25 countries and on 70 online platforms. And um, guys, here we are, the, the last show uh, of the year, episode 293. Look at how far we've come. You know, it's um, looking back, it's been a crazy year, to say the least. It's been a year filled with so many different emotions, whether that's anxiety, depression, anger. I mean, you know, we, we, can, go, we can go into so many different details. You know, suicide rates are up. Divorces are up. Marital abuse is up. You know, um, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, I, more people on medication, um, you know, the, the, just what this has done to people's psychosis. And, and look, at, look at the other scenario. I mean, there, there's so much focus and obsession that's unnecessary with COVID that's preventing all these other sick people from getting the proper treatment that they really need. So, I mean, if you really ask me, I think that that part is the real pandemic. I mean, these, these doctor's offices and these hospitals have just completely, sh- in a lot of ways, shut, shut themselves off to, you know, everyday needs. Um, I'm, just, I'm just looking back, you know, I mean, I mean, we look back at everything that happened this year. Look at all the bullshit we had to deal with. The, 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 the impeachment nonsense, Russia, 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 which was fake, Ukraine, fake you know you know they 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 tried everything to take down trump and their last deck in the card was let's destroy the economy because we all know the democrats have so many foreign ties and and um involvement with the chinese government there's no way this just accidentally happened everything was going so i mean we 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 never saw a more powerful economy this guy brought us into an empire that you'll never see in your lifetime ever again. And the frustration that I have, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm one of those people. I go outside, I can feel energy. And I say this on my show all the time. People are not okay. People are zombies out there. The mainstream media did a hell of a job of this whole fear-mongering bullshit. They did a hell of a job. And we're, we're, now we're talking about vaccines. I mean, how, so, so let, let, let's ask these questions. So if we're going to do vaccines, does that mean we have to still wear masks? Because according to the, a lot of these politicians, masks are still going to be required. But why do you need a mask if you're, if you're solving the problem, supposedly, with sticking a needle in your arm? The answer is it does not solve the problem, the vaccine. In a lot of ways, it makes health conditions much worse. Did, did the flu vaccine fix the flu? No, it did not. The people, hundreds of thousands of people still die from the flu every year. Has not changed. 
has not changed. So, I mean, that's driving me nuts. You know, guys, I, you know I go on these rants. You know I get on these different tirades, and I, and I, I just have a lot, of, a lot of things on my mind, just like you guys, a lot you want to get off your chest. Um, I, you know, and the voter fraud. I mean, look at how, look at what we look at what we had to deal with. That was the most serious voter fraud. We had to deal with the most important election of our lifetime being taken away from us. We're supposed to be the land of the free. We're supposed to be the greatest country on earth. We're supposed to be the most prosperous. And we're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to be ethical. We're supposed to have morals. We're supposed to, you know, shake each other's hands when, when, you, when, when you're wrong. But no, I mean, this whole political environment has turned into something nobody has ever witnessed. It is more corrupt. It is more evolved. It is more evil than ever before. And this is years and years and years of swamp buildup. Swamp, swamp, swamp. You know, I'm looking at all this stuff. Think about the spending bill. Think about the freaking spending bill. And by the way, Mitch McConnell literally can take a hike. That son of a bitch. I tell you what, he does not represent us conservatives. He's a fake. He's a phony. He's the biggest bullshit artist I've ever seen. He's just as bad as Pelosi. I mean, look, look, look. You look at the stimulus deal today, and he, he had all the opportunity in the world, all the opportunity to approve that and give everybody $2,000, just like Trump was saying, do the right thing for humanity. But that greedy bastard decided, oh, no, we're just going to do 600 him sitting there with his walrus face looking like a damn turtle. I mean, this guy, and he gets bossed around by his wife, we all know, whatever that She's an Asian woman. I don't know her name. I, I, she, she's in bed with China, though. They have, I think their net worth is almost $100 million. I mean, these, these people, I mean, they totally forgot what we the people, uh, the definition of that is. And it's sick. I mean, you know, this whole stimulus thing, and we're, we're sending money to foreign countries to uh, help chicks with dicks in Pakistan do uh, uh, scientific research studies. What the hell is that about? Why are we helping trannies in a foreign country when we have people in our country dying? And, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. And then we send all this money to Egypt and Israel. And, um, I mean, it goes it, – it never ends. Sudan. I had the whole list. I read it off last week, and I'm like, wow. And, and, I, and I even talked about and went into detail and was very particular, saying that look at all these past presidents, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. They just sign it. They just sign it. They don't even review it and read it thoroughly. Donald Trump actually goes through it word for word, you know, every little thing, and he sees the wrongs in it, and he wants to fix it. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's dedication right there. That's devotion. That's love. That's what leadership looks like. But, I mean, guys, I mean, you guys should be appalled. Look at where your tax dollars are going. And con- uh, they just made a pay raise for themselves, too, in-, in Congress and the Senate. Oh, yeah, that's another thing they snuck in the bill. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then what about uh, all that money to the Kennedy Center and the Smithsonian Museum? We all know that's a loophole so they can pay their own bank accounts 
It's been a known fact for a long time in D.C. Don't let it fool you. The Kennedy Center and the Smith- Smithsonian Museum is not even open right now. They do not need the money. They have more money than God. I mean, there's all these loopholes, all these damn loopholes. You know, and like I've said many times, I'm not putting down every politician, but I would say 90% are out for themselves. And I don't, I don't think they always go in there having that mentality necessarily. I mean, most of them want to go in there and get rich, but I think a lot of people go in there doing, looking to do the right thing, and then they get caught up in the scandals, they get caught up in the greed, and then so on, so on. But, um, guys, I mean, I, you know, for 2021, here, here's what I'll tell you. I want everybody to make as many resolutions as possible. Stay as optimistic as possible. You know, re- really go out for your goals. You know, whatever that may be. You know, let, let's leave 2020 and the negativity and all the idiocy and the bullshit in the past. And let, let's just move on. Let, let, let's, let's take back our government. I mean, I don't have the, all the answers. I don't know how much longer these lockdowns are going to go on. But there has to be some sort of solution here. And I, and I think that we all know how important the day of January 6th is. And I strongly believe, along with most logical, sane people that have a brain that Donald Trump is going to get four more years and it's going to be the, one of the most historic days we've ever seen in the history of DC. And you're going to have millions of people there. And it's going to be, it's going to be, un, it's going to be unreal. And Mike Pence, you know, I have um, disagreed with him on certain things in the past. And I go back and forth about his character. I like him. But at the same time, there's things that make me wonder, if you know what I mean. So I, I just hope when he gets on that floor, he, he, he knows what's going on. Because I strongly believe him and Trump, have, they, they, they have a plan. It's Trump is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Look at Trump's body language. Look at how calm, look at how, you know, regulated he's been and polished he's been the last couple weeks. He hasn't been going nuts. He has not been crazy. He's been, like he would say, a stable genius because he's ignoring the noise. We know that the media has lied to us over and over and over and over. We know that. And they're going, to be call, they're going to be called out for this lie, too, where they're saying that, oh, there's no path for Trump. There's no way. Well, I mean, these people are only trying to appeal and please a certain audience. They're, and they have an agenda. They're money-driven. They're not about telling the actual news or real truth. Because if you read the Constitution, if you read the laws in Washington, D.C., and how this all plays out, um, I, I would, I, if I was a gambling guy right now, I would say Trump all day long is going to prevail on, on January 6th. Uh, Mike Pence will give, you know, a great, a great case. Uh, Hawley, Josh Hawley, 
a hero who I love, who I adore, who I think possibly could be president someday. He was the first man to say, I'm coming out here and I am going to, I'm going to, you know, fight for this. And uh, there's been a lot of Congress people that have came out lately and have said that they will go to the floor with this. Um, I'm still waiting for more Senate people though. Where the hell are you guys? Don't you guys dare run away or back or, or turn your backs on, on, on our president. He's been there for you. He's helped you win. He's gotten you past the finish line. And if you bail on him, you might as well retire. Because if you screw over Trump, you screw over every one of his, his supporters. And you know how much of an army we are. We're 70, 75 million voters. 75 million. So these people's careers are over if they do not stand up for the president. These rhinos, these fake-ass Republicans that do not belong in there. You know, it's, it's, um, it's quite something, guys. I mean, I, I'm just reading some of the um, – just, just some of the stuff going on. Like, we have one of the most important elections coming up in Georgia, and they're still going to use the Dominion voting machines. They're still going to use the Dominion voting machines in Georgia. After everything we've been through, and we just went through one of the biggest – fraudulent elections ever the most the biggest i mean the most you can't even describe how criminal this was by the democrats and and nobody is putting a stop to it i mean they're trying the republicans are trying we're trying to do the right thing but i mean how are you going to still use a machine that is proven to be flawed that is proven to be error after error mistake after mistake and really call this a democracy or, or a republic? How are you going to try to call this the, the United States of America? How are you going to say that, you know, that's fair? I, I just, I can't fathom. And you know what? The, the governor of Georgia is the biggest jerk-off. I don't know, you guys probably remember. He was the guy that's, that, you know, was, down double digits in the polls. Trump came and rallied for him. And then all of a sudden he came out a double digit, you know, deficit and, and, and won in Georgia. And we all know why he's doing this and not letting Trump see a lot of the audits and not letting them in to see the votes from, from this past election is because he's compromised with China. There's been many stories that have come out about Kemp, Governor Kemp, that he, and, and we, we all know. Otherwise, I mean, what do you got to hide? Turn it over. Same with Arizona. Turn it over. Do you see your compromise with, with China, too? If, you have, if, if, if this is actually legit and, and, and sufficient and, and, and real, then what do you have to hide? Just show us. Democrats would be crying way worse right now. They would be, Democrats would be screaming bloody murder right now if this happened to them. But the double standard is um, the double standard is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's 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 disgusting. I mean, and even Trump, you know, it, it's it's like, you know, we, we look at. I'm just I'm just appalled, guys. I'm appalled, and and, and look at where, look, look at how how the whole situation. With John Ossoff in Georgia, the opponent, one of the opponents. He's refusing 
to disclose his company's financial documents. Imagine if a Republican did that. Imagine if a Republican refused to disclose financial documents and they were running in one of the most important races of our lifetime. Because we all know what happens here. This is, this is going to dictate who takes over the Senate. I just, I, I'm so sick of all these Democrats getting away with all this crap. And I'm just reading just anarchy all over the country. And, and if Democrats get power, you're going to see so much more of it. You're going to see the worst crimes you've ever seen. Just another example. I read a poll today. Portland. The, the city of Portland, where I've been many times, and it used to be a safe place. The crime, the shootings there are up over 116%. Again, that's up over 116%. That's like Chicago. And, and, and it's coming to the West Coast. The Democrats are trying to invade as many places as possible, and it's, in, in, in certain ways it's working because of their voter. I say a lot of it's voter fraud. Because, guys, if we really have brains, if we really care about America, if we really love our values and, and our traditions, we're not going to vote these morons in. I mean, they're, they're getting help from dirty, dirty situations. And we're talking about masks and all this bullshit. And there was a new article out, you know, Democrats say that they care about the, the climate so much and, and, and the air and all that stuff. But there's going to be 1.5 billion masks with a B that are going to pollute the ocean this year. And do you see the Democrats talking about that? No, you don't. It, they, pick, they pick and choose. It's, it's called cherry picking. It's called cherry picking. These people are unbelievable. These people are unbelievable. Oh, the masks keep you safe. Oh, really? Then why, why does Florida have a, a no-mask mandate? And they have the lowest cases, but California has a mask mandate, and they have the highest cases. How the hell are you going to explain that sort of science to me? I want answers, man. I want answers. And like I said earlier, Trump is more popular now than he's ever been before. He was just voted the most admired man, the most admired man. He, he beat uh, Barack Hussein, white mama Osama, for that title. So we, uh, I can't, you know what, I'm so glad that Barack, his, his ego, you know, was, uh, was tossed in the toilet. Um, guys, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and listen to about this. There was a poll from Rasmussen. 70, 72% of Republicans see Trump as the model for the party's future, meaning they don't want anyone else. 72%. I mean, I, I think it's a lot higher than that. I think it's in the 90s. I think it's in the 90s, personally. But, I mean, how are we going to go back to a regular politician? If we went back to a regular Joe Schmo, be like going from a five-star restaurant to, like, McDonald's. No offense. I mean, McDonald's is good once in a while. You know, I, I like McDonald's. But I'm just saying. You know, it's very, very, very um, interesting times, to say the least. And one other thing I want to mention before I get to people on the panel. I mean, two things, actually. Uh, going back to the whole Georgia thing, I don't know if anybody saw this. 
but Stacey Abrams' sister? Oh, God. Ugh. I just, ugh. Ugh. just threw up in my mouth even talking about this woman. She is a, she is a vile human. Um, but anyways, her sister is a judge and was overseeing uh, certain county ballots. And, I mean, she, she refused to allow anyone to investigate them. I mean, conflict of interest much? I mean, think about how much that woman needs to step down. And if that was a Republican, can you imagine the backlash? Can you imagine? I mean, this is – that this, you're a judge, and you're in bed trying to help your politician sister who is extremely evil and ugly. I just can't. I mean, do we, are we ever going to have an honest election again? I think that's the question that everybody wants to know. Last thing I want to say before I get to everybody on the panel. Um, Epstein. You know, that's another thing that's happened in, in the last couple of years. This whole Epstein thing drives me nuts. Because he could have really been the guy that cracked the code. He could have really been the guy that brought, it, brought down so many different people. Well, who knows if he, if, he has, if he has an – well, if he already spilled the beans, there already be indictments. So I doubt that. Um, and he did not kill himself. There's no way in hell. But long story short, his cellmate, his last cellmate, the only cellmate left he had, just died of coronavirus. Oh, what are the chances? Do you, do you, think, do you think that accidentally happened? Everybody's talking about this. That this guy apparently had more information – um, and, you know, we all know what the government does to you if you have information and, and they don't want you to have it, you know, and, 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 and I don't want to be crazy out of the ordinary, but something, something really is fishy because I, I think the Democrats know they're in, they're in a real slump and in a jam right now and in a dirty dilemma uh, because they, they're not convinced, in my opinion that they've won this election. I think in their heads, they're trying to act as if they, and, and to the public, they're acting as they have. But why hasn't Kamala Harris resigned from her Senate seat? Why? Why is that? Curious. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, this is, this, guys, this is, this is absolutely just out of control. Um, Give me one second. I do want to introduce to the show, and he's with us tonight. He's a very special guest, and we're going to get back to all these topics right after. Um, and, and we have a few more things to go over. I got, I got a lot of guests tonight. I will get to everybody. But I want to welcome right now, and, and I'm very happy to have him with us, uh, very famous uh, forensic scientist and patho- pathologist and a powerful attorney. He's dealt with so many different cases, John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, John Benet Ramsey, uh, Dr. Cyril, uh, is it Wetched? Is that how I pronounce it? Cyril Wick. Perfect, perfect. Sir, it is an honor to have you on here. Um, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I always like to get, um, you know, a bio from my guests when they, when they first appear, just to get a background. But I, I already, I've already read so much about you, and it's beyond impressive. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. I am a uh, medical doctor. Um, 
after a year of internship following medical school, I spent five years residency in pathology, including forensic pathology. And during that five-year period, I also attended uh, law school and earned a law degree. And I served as a captain for two years uh, at Maxwell Air Force Base in Montgomery, Alabama. I returned in 1962 then to Pittsburgh, and I have been practicing in the Pittsburgh and southwest Pennsylvania area and other counties, forensic pathology, hospital pathology, private laboratory pathology, and I have been a medical legal consultant. At the present time, I continue to do autopsies. I've done 21,000 autopsies in my career. I have reviewed, supervised, or signed off about 41,000 others. I continue active practice as a medical legal consultant for attorneys all over the country and sometimes from foreign countries in various civil and criminal cases. I uh, I have uh, professorships at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, Duquesne University School of Law, and some other faculty positions at other schools. I have written a great deal. Um, I have about 45 uh, professional books, including multi-volume uh, multi sets. I have uh, eight books uh, for the general public, which contain cases in which I have worked from JFK, RFK, MLK, and then on through uh, all kinds of cases uh, uh, through uh, uh, Waco Branch Davidian, Chandra Levy, Elvis Presley, um, O.J. Simpson, John Benet Ramsey, uh, and, uh, and, and and many others, uh, Secretary of Congress Ron Brown, White House Counsel Vince Foster, uh, and, and so on. And uh, then this book, which I have written with a co-author, Jeff Sewalt, uh, The Life and Death of uh, Cyril Weck, Memoirs, of the countries of America's most controversial forensic pathologists. So that's the background, and that's the book which you have uh, received and I hope have read or will have an opportunity to read. The book uh, contains facts about my life, including uh, two trials that I have had to endure, uh, spurious charges brought against me, 1979 with a trial in 81, and charges in 2006 with a trial that uh, continued um, with the... Um, Aftermath into 2009, uh, the criminal justice system is discussed in the book, along with capsulized version of the dozens of my cases. So that's the background. I hope that you can now have a good picture of what I do and who I am. It's it's beyond. I mean, beyond impressive. I mean, it's, wow, wow. What a, what a resume. And, and I want to I want to go into a lot of different uh, things with you. First, first off. You know, you, you've been called uh, upon, you know, um, cases that are involving some of the most prominent, high-figure, notable individuals to ever exist in our history. First off, tell us about the JFK, uh, your, your involvement, and, and just, you know, what you kind of um, investigated and, and how, that, how that took place. It started off when I was asked to present a paper at the American Academy of Forensic Sciences, the largest and most prestigious forensic scientific group in the world. I did that, and then uh, everything broke loose. The dam burst open. Um, I was contacted uh, various uh, news media, television people. I was on all kinds of national television programs. Then District Attorney Jim Garrison uh, consulted me in the Jim Garrison case, uh, in the Clay Shaw case, <laughs> Garrison uh, handling the Clay Shaw case in New Orleans. And um, that was my first testimony under oath in 1969 before a federal judge trying to gain access to the autopsy materials. Although the judge uh, still ruled, uh, the government uh, appealed. 
and so I was not able to testify because I did not see the materials. In 1972, I was the first non-government appointed, non-government related forensic pathologist given access to all of the autopsy materials at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. And it was then that I discovered um, that the president's brain was missing, the brain which had been fixed in formalin to harden it for examination two weeks later was never examined. Look at the autopsy report. It says sections of the brain are not made in order to preserve this specimen, preserve it for Jackie Kennedy's mantelpiece. We never know. And uh, no explanation has ever been given regarding the missing brain. And then 1975, I testified before the Rockefeller Commission for a half a day. And the in 1978, I testified before the House Select Committee of Assassinations, the Forensic Pathology Panel, and that was the third time under oath. So I've testified three times under oath. I have uh, written many articles, given literally hundreds and hundreds of talks uh, around the country and throughout the world on this case. So I've been deeply involved, and I head up a national group, uh, a Committee Against Political Assassinations, which continues to deal with this and holds annual meetings uh, every November in commemoration of the president's assassination on November 22nd, 1963. It's, it's, it's it, you know, we have so many unanswered questions in regards to that whole Kennedy uh, assassination. I mean, you said, you, you just said a little bit ago that you, you had a hard time concluding various things, and, and, and there was a lot of information not given to you. Kind of elaborate on that. Well, um, let, me, let me say this. The, the findings set forth by a dozen surgeons at Parkland Hospital, uh, where the president was worked upon feverishly for almost a half an hour before he was declared dead, um, differ uh, significantly from the findings made by the pathologist who did the autopsy that evening at at um, Bethesda Naval Hospital uh, just outside D.C. The body was illegally taken out of Dallas uh, where the autopsy should have been done. The autopsy was done that evening by two career naval pathologists who had never done a gunshot wound autopsy in their entire professional careers. Multiple gunshot wounds. You have to differentiate between entrance and exit. You have to determine angle trajectory sequence. You have to correlate the wounds in JFK with the wounds in Connolly for the most brilliant and experienced of forensic pathologists, even two or three working as a team. For this autopsy to have been handled by these two inept, incompetent, totally inexperienced people is the most incredible, insulting thing uh, to me as an American citizen, and it should be to everybody else. And the findings that they made are very significantly different from the findings that were made by the unbiased uh, surgeons uh, with great experience who worked on the president's head uh, for all that time and, uh, and dealt with him at Parkland Hospital. And then um, subsequently, um, the, the Warren Commission uh, was confronted with a very serious problem because the timing of the shooting, as depicted in the Zapruder film, taken by a gentleman named Abraham Zapruder, which can be studied frame by frame at 1-18th of a second, um, did not fit in with the timing that it took to shoot this Manica Carcano, the alleged murder weapon, a non-automatic carbine. And so that presented one hell of a problem for them, and that is what led to uh, the presentation uh, and adoption of the so-called, quote, single bullet theory, which Mark Lane uh, originally and then I later and others have dubbed the magic bullet theory. 
that bullet is supposed to have produced seven wounds in two men, Kennedy and Connolly, uh, zigzagged the right and left, moved up and down, um, broke two large bones in a six-foot-four big-bone uh, Governor Connolly, and yet emerged near pristine. The only deformity is at its base from the impact of the firing mechanism with a total weight loss of only one and a half percent, having left the part pieces of itself in four anatomic locations between the president and Connolly. The single bullet theory is the sine qua non of the Warren Commission report's conclusion vis-a-vis a sole assassin. If you don't have a single bullet theory, then you have two shooters. And that is exactly what I believe and what I've been saying now for 50 years. There were two shooters, one from the rear and one from uh, the front uh, behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll. The Warren Commission report is sheer, unadulterated poppycock. Now that that I mean it's and I and we all wonder we all wonder this I mean the Kennedy thing I, I think is one of the one of the most controversial uh, issues and, and and biggest conspiracies that you know no everybody talks about it we we've got so many well of course questions. Well, and they so and, many, and they should it was our president it was our president shot yeah, down in broad daylight in the fourth fourth largest city in the country, right? <laughs> People should talk about it and think about it. And the government has lied to us so much. And let's not forget, yes. when they came up with the term conspiracy theory after they assassinated JFK, because they, they, they said if we question any of their narrative, then we're considered crazy. So, I mean, and that's yes. how all, all these things have come about. And, and there's no doubt about it that he was – killed by the government. I mean, you know, he did not want to go to Vietnam, you know, I mean, there were a lot of things he did not want to do. And the military industrial complex was not okay with that. You know, LBJ was, was wanted power more than anything. I think the whole Jack Ruby and the whole Harvey Lee Oswald things bullshit. Don't you think it was somebody else? Yes, absolutely. You've given a wonderful summary. Uh, Excellent. You get an A plus. Uh, uh, absolutely uh, Oswald was a setup was a patsy um, and uh, this was this assassination was not um, executed uh, by uh, the Chinese or the Russians or the Cubans it was by Americans in significant positions of power at the top highest levels the CIA military and uh, there's a question whether LBJ and Hoover uh, were involved in the planning there's no question at all that they were principally involved and in charge of the cover-up thereafter. Uh, Hoover already announcing uh, two days after the shooting that Oswald was a sole assassin. He had already determined that nobody else was involved. That was not physically possible. Not possible to go through all the evidence, interrogate everybody that knew and worked with Oswald and everybody at the Texas School Book Depository, et cetera, et cetera. Not possible at all. This was a cover-up, and it's remained a cover-up now for all of these 57 years yeah and and, and let's let's also face the fact you know speak on this a little bit look how high up uh george bush senior was at the time and a lot a lot of people think he may have been behind certain things we don't know i mean that's speculation no, no, we, no, we what are your know. thoughts on that yeah no 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 uh, george bush senior ahead of the cia at the time uh, definitely has been considered by some of the Warren Commission critic researchers to have been involved. I, I, you know, I just don't know. And not that I'm hesitant. If I knew individually uh, who they were, I would not hesitate to say it. I've paid a heavy price in my life uh, for speaking out, and I'm sure as hell not going to hesitate 
to do so now. I, I don't know who they were by name. And, of course, they're dead now. Uh, but the point is they were at the highest level of government, the very highest. And it had to consist of a consortium of people in the secret spook organizations, CIA and who else knows what's out there, along with top military people. Absolutely. And they made that decision. And, um, and, look, cover at, up. Look at what, and look at how much good Kennedy did for the country. I mean, he wanted to expose yeah. the deep state. He wanted to go after the Federal Reserve in certain ways. I mean, there's so many different things that this guy did and pulled off that were pissing off the elites, the, the, the people that were, you know, the big timers. That, that, and that, that's our, right. And, and the, and the and mob. Those people were looking the at, mob, too. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the mob was involved, I believe, later on as a cover-up, uh, beginning with Jack Ruby, and other people were conveniently eliminated. I, I don't think there's any way that the mob could have orchestrated and executed this on their own. They didn't have the wherewithal, and they would not have the the uh, the chutzpah to do that. There's no way in the world. But they definitely came to be involved, uh, Sam G. and Connor, uh, and Carlos Marcello, uh, uh, Johnny Roselli, and no question about that at all. And talking about Kennedy, remember what those people who were very angry and upset about what he was doing, um, uh, the Bay of Pigs the debacle, pulling our troops out of Vietnam, um, trying to uh, loosen uh, the tension uh, that existed with Russia and the Cold War, etc. They were looking at five more years of Jack Kennedy, sure as hell to be reelected, most likely to be followed by eight years of Bobby Kennedy. They were not going to sit around for 13 years and see in their eyes, in their minds, America going to hell in a basket. And there was only one way to deal with that. They could not de- de- defeat the Kennedys at the polls. No way in the world. There's only one way, and that was to eliminate him physically, the assassination, anywhere else in the world where something like that has happened. It's been properly labeled as coup d'etat. This is what it was, coup d'etat in America, the overthrow of the government. And, and you know, you, you, you've been doing autopsies. Like you said, you've done – how many autopsies have you done? Over 21,000? 20, 20, 21,000 that I've done myself and reviewed, supervised, signed off about 41,000 others. Good Lord. Good Lord. So, so let, let, let's ask, let, let me ask you this. So you were talking about when you were there, you know, they, they, they refused to do the autopsy in Dallas, which you thought was really sketchy and skeptical. And you, it, it really kind of blew your mind, right? Kind of speak on that a little well, bit. Yes. That's, yeah. They, they, they pushed the medical examiner, Dr. Earl Rose up against the wall, threatened him with guns, a lot of profanity and took the president's body out. As a matter of fact, though, uh, that should not have hampered things or messed up. Uh, in fact, it should have uh, helped by giving them time to bring in the foremost forensic pathologists in the country, all of whom at that time were located within one hour driving or flying time from Washington, D.C. Uh, so that really should have worked to their benefit. But all of those top people located in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Richmond, Virginia, and Cleveland, and Baltimore were not called in, and this autopsy of our president, multiple gunshot wounds, handled by two guys who had never done a gunshot wound autopsy in their careers. Think of the president had fallen in the bathtub that day instead of being shot and had 
suffered a concussion? Would they have called in a neurologist and a possible neurosurgeon and an internist to evaluate cardiac and respiratory status? Or would they have called in a dermatologist and a gynecologist and a podiatrist? Uh, you know, that's a, as, a, as an analogy to think over. Yeah, and, and we think about that day, and, and you, you know, you like like you said, you investigated, you you did some of the autopsy stuff. I mean, you were around this entire scene back then, and we look at that day, and nobody else was hurt in that car. I mean, from what I understand, Kennedy was the only one, correct? I mean, they they, they pre-planned this. I mean, how could you have that perfect kind of shot and not injure anybody else? Oh yes, it was synchronized, of course. As the cars came down Main Street, turned right onto Houston, and then left on Elm Street, and proceeding downward, then in synchronized fashion, uh, the shots were fired from those two different locations. Of course, <laughs> this was handled by the very best. Uh, these weren't some uh, uh, just some local cowboys, uh, obviously. Uh, and uh, the cover up from the. I'm sorry. Well, go go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say. And then uh, they found a, a bullet <laughs> conveniently placed under a stretcher there uh, in the um, corridor outside the ER, which had not been seen by anybody until then, and that became the hero of the single bullet um, theory. Um, this, this, is the way, this is the way it worked. And like I've said, the, the findings and observations of all of these experienced doctors who had handled hundreds of gunshot wounds um, were vastly different uh, because um, the doctors uh, who did the autopsy that night were under orders, military orders, and they did what they were told to do because the real findings would have shown that the president had been struck from the front as well as from the rear. And that is why the president's brain went missing, uh, which is uh, what I reported in 72. Uh, it isn't that I made a discovery that nobody else was aware of. In fact, morally, ethically, even legally, it was it was terrible. It was criminal of all the people, including some people in, in, in my field, the forensic pathology, who had been called in by the government, the Ramsey Clark panel under Attorney General Ramsey Clark in 1968, for them uh, not to have spoken about this and to have disclosed this publicly, as I did in 1972, um, is despicable. And, you know, there, that shows you the power of the government in covering up. You know, this, this is fascinating. And I want to move, you know, you, you, you've, you've done autopsies and, and, and been in, you investigated so many different high-profile deaths. So I, I want to I ask you about some other ones. But before I end on the Kennedy note, one more thing about the Kennedy thing, an interesting point you brought up earlier that I remember is that, when he died, when he got shot, they were very secretive to the family. They were not giving out a bu- bunch of information. Um, kind, kind of elaborate on that. That, that. Now, that's, that's a little that, – that's frightening. That's frightening. Yeah, well, it was a big mess up uh, all the way. Uh, the gunshot wound in the president's neck um, was never recognized as a gunshot wound by the pathologist because the surgeons in Parkland had uh, quite – appropriately uh, used that bullet hole uh, and the wound as a site of a tracheostomy insertion of a tube to supply oxygen, take out carbon dioxide, suction out blood and mucus. And these inept comedians who did the autopsy that night never knew until the next day uh, that the president had sustained a gunshot wound in the front of his neck. And that is what led to a total <laughs> restructuring of all of their findings and all of the absurdities 
that followed. It's just it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm blown away by it. I, I really am. And, and you know, I wanna, I want, I wanna kind of shift topics. You know, another fascinating case that I think the the entire audience is a very aware of it and has followed for many years is the John Benet Ramsey case. Um, I read yeah. that you were, you were involved with that, and what a disturbing I, scene. Yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah. I did that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, please. No, I, I was I just going to say, what is you're disturbing, ask a what, is, what a disturbing scene. Go ahead, though. Sorry. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I've written a book, Who Killed John Benet Ramsey? I've studied this case extensively and discussed it with uh, various other people who have been involved uh, and so on. Let me just write, get right to the heart of the matter. Uh, there was no outside intruder. Um, this was a sex game, I believe, uh, that had been played by the father. The mother is out of the sex business, stage four ovarian cancer surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and the little girl was the surrogate. Um, and that is shown by the autopsy findings, focal inflammation in the vaginal vault, uh, focal erosion, uh, the seven o'clock physician, think of a finger being inserted into the vaginal area. Um, and then you go on with the, uh, um, the stupid ransom note, $18,000 demand. Uh, We represent a small foreign faction. Uh, It's it's, it's unbelievable. Um, uh, That's the bottom line. Uh, And for people who are interested in that case, uh, not that I want your program to sell books, but but it's a paperback, but it's very good, and it contains a complete autopsy report, a judge's um, ruling on some matters. Who Killed John Benet Ramsey by Cyril Wecht and Charles Bosworth you'll find it a very, very interesting book. And, and looking back, I mean, you know, this is years later, obviously, but looking back at that whole case, I mean, the me- the media, you know, that, I think that's an example of a me- the media covered. I mean, in a lot of ways, they covered it up. I mean, it, the media yes, didn't, well, wasn't transparent. They were not transparent with the public. I mean, we had so many different stories, and so many people were like, so fixated on what you know, what actually happened. We want we want answers. Yeah, well, it was the case was bungled. Uh, people who had um, had very little experience, almost none. There had been only one homicide in Boulder County that year and the year before. Alex Hunter, the district attorney, had a 99 percent plea bargain rate. He didn't go to trial on cases. They didn't call in the Colorado State Police. Um, or the FBI, it was handled by the local police who had no experience in homicide investigation. They did not even find the body of the little girl when they went to the house at 6.30 and searched. The body was found seven hours later by uh, her father, who said to uh, his then best friend, who became his worst enemy, another multimillionaire businessman named Fleet White, uh, uh, whom he invited to come over to the house. So he said to Fleet White, let's go look again at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. John Ramsey took him into the basement, and uh, there in a room which was so obscure, um, so uh, molded in uh, to the wall area that the cops looking for the body of the little girl never even knew there was such a room. A maid who worked there for many months never knew there was such a room, and but John Ramsey went there conveniently, and that's where the little girl's body was found. And we're supposed to believe that an outside intruder came into the house did not awaken anybody and, and uh, knew about a back set of stairs that led into the basement to this obscure room 
where he uh, had his way with the little girl. And then having engaged and indulged uh, and satisfied his sexual perversion, he decided to make it a profitable evening. So he said, I'm going to write a ransom note. He didn't ring pen and paper, but he went in the middle of the night, total darkness. He found pen and paper, and he started to write the note. Didn't like the first beginning, crumpled a piece of paper, threw it down, started again. And that's when he wrote that we represent a small foreign faction, and he demanded a ransom amount of $118,000. And then he left the house. Um, He just forgot one thing, one thing. You know what he forgot? He forgot to take the body of the little girl with him. 45-pound package. You've gone to all of this incredible thing, your, your chutzpah, your, your nerve, your cunning, your daring, uh, equal uh, your malevolence. Um, and so you do all of this, and you write the note, and then you leave the body. Is that unbelievable? That is the intruder theory. So anybody that believes in the intruder theory, that's what you've got to deal with. And are you are you convinced that it definitely was her parents, without a doubt? Not parents, the father. I think it was covered up then by the mother. Uh, yeah, there's nobody else. There's nobody else involved. It wasn't her brother, right. Burke, at three years older. No, it was the father. And this was a game that had been played before. Uh, virtue, as I said, the finding of chronic inflammation. Uh, that shows that you know something had been going on there for many, many hours and days before uh, that uh, tragic event. Yeah, I mean, what, what a crazy situation. You know, you know, I want to ask you uh, about a few other, a few other uh, well, things. Well, I'm not going to be able to say this too much longer. Um, um, okay. I, oh, I, yeah, just, I, just another no, I couple of minutes. Okay. Go okay, ahead. Yeah, you just, uh, I'll give you a, can you do about five more minutes? Yeah, go ahead. Five more. Fine. Okay. Okay, let me ask you about Martin Luther King. What was your involvement with him? I know you did some with, um, with, with whom? Martin Luther King. I know, I know you had involvement. Yeah, yeah, in I, terms yeah, of autopsy yeah, books. Yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time Martin Luther King case. I uh, participated in the autopsy in James Earl Ray. I worked the case and studied it with uh, attorney um, uh, Dr. Pepper, uh, who became involved and who uh, conducted a mock trial and so on. And I've studied that case uh, from the standpoint of a forensic pathologist and so on. Uh, this was a setup. James Earl Ray uh, was a two-bit uh, cl- uh, criminal, spent most of his adult life in jail. And finally, after some failed stupid attempts to escape, succeeded and was in Mexico for a whole year. And then he decided one day, we are told to believe, that he could not live any longer unless he killed Martin Luther King. So he goes from Mexico back to Tennessee. He knows that if he rents a room in a rooming house um, uh, and goes down to the end of the corridor in the community bathroom, stands on the closed commode, opens up the transit window, he will be facing the balcony of the Lorraine Motel where James Earl Ray, uh, where, uh, I'm sorry, where Martin Luther King was staying. And then he shoots a king, we are told, and then he leaves but he's a, he's a gentleman. He's got a sense of of, of chivalry. Um, and he says, you know, it's not fair. Who in the world is ever going to think that I, James Earl Ray, killed Martin Luther King? So he leaves the gun, the weapon, with his fingerprints. He doesn't take the weapon in the car, throw it into a sewer, into a river, into a lake, um, or whatever, or break it down and destroy it. He leaves it with his fingerprints there. It wants to give them a, a, a head start. So he makes his way to Canada from Tennessee, 
uh, in a brand new Mustang. Where he got all this money, we don't know. He's in Canada. He's got papers that would make James Bond 007 green with envy. He goes uh, to uh, England, over to Spain, back to England, before he's finally apprehended. That is the <laughs> Martin Luther King assassination theory vis-a-vis James Earl Ray. Total, total nonsense. And now let me ask you about the whole Robert Kennedy thing. Do you think the whole Robert Kennedy thing is the same philosophy and ideology, same with JFK? I mean, they, they were out to get it. Absolutely. It was all a setup. It was all pre-planned because yeah. they didn't want a well, Kennedy there's, in power. There's no, there's no question. Let me ask you very quickly. How far was Sirhan Sirhan when he shot at Robert Kennedy? Kennedy, having won the California primary, uh, was tantamount to getting the Democratic nomination for president, is being escorted through the kitchen of the Ambassador Hotel to avoid the adoring crowd of thousands of people. And Sirhan is there in front of him, and Sirhan then uh, shoots. How far was Sirhan? Just what is your thought, your reminiscence, your recollection? What do you think? Just give me a range. I mean, give me a range. He, he was pretty close. Give me a range. Give me a range. pretty close. Give me a range. Give me a range. I, me a range. I, I don't, don't know All right. People say 10 feet, 8 feet, 6 feet, 4 feet, 2 feet. The shot that killed Robert Kennedy was fired one to one and a half inches from the back top of his right ear with a slightly forward trajectory. There was no way in the world that Sirhan Sirhan was ever with a gun one to one and a half inches behind uh, Robert Kennedy's head uh, shooting with a slightly forward trajectory. I was consulted in that case. Look it up and you'll find a dozen forensic pathologists and top uh, scientists and ballistics experts all concurred unanimously, including three military forensic pathologists that I suggested to my colleague, Dr. Tom Deguchi, medical examiner in L.A., uh, invite to be observers so they wouldn't steal the body of Robert Kennedy out of L.A. as they had done with Jack Kennedy out of Dallas. And uh, there it is. Uh, so there's no shooter. Sir Ann was a shooter, and there was a second shooter directly behind Robert Kennedy. So you've got these three uh, assassinations, JFK and RFK and MLK, and they played a very big role in directing the political fortunes of the country. Um, And that's what it was all about. That's what these assassinations were all about. Those people at the highest level, they saw America going to hell in the basket, and there was no way they were going to sit back and let that happen. They were looking at five more years of Jack Kennedy, followed by eight years likely of Bobby Kennedy, in 13 years, you can change the direction of a country significantly. Just look at what happened, what has happened with Trump in four years without getting into pro-Trump, anti-Trump. Just look at what has happened to the direction of the country in just four years under Donald Trump. So what do you think would have happened with 13 years of the Kennedys? And that's what it was all about. That's what those assassinations were all about. There was no way to defeat the Kennedys at the poll, and there was no way to destroy Martin Luther King. J. Edgar Hoover tried to do that, and it failed uh, to uh, tarnish his reputation and so on. Uh, and it didn't, did not work. And the only way to eliminate them was through assassination, through execution. And, and here's, an, here, here's an interesting one. I, I, I think everybody is curious and, and still has all these different theories about O.J. Simpson, you were involved with this case. How do you feel yeah. about well, that? Well, okay, let me, let me mention this quickly. I'll have to wrap it up. I'm sorry. Um, O.J. Simpson, uh, yes, I was an official consultant, worked with the attorneys and my colleagues, Dr. Michael Bond, Dr. Henry Lee, and so on. Um, I, believe, I believe that O.J. Simpson was most likely present, but I believe there was a second person there who most likely was his son, Jason, 
Uh, there's no way that O.J. Simpson could have inflicted 17 wounds on one victim, 22 on another, uh, blood spurting in all directions from the severed vessels in the neck to the left with, uh, and no blood being found then uh, at his home in all of the toilets and sinks and bathtubs and showers, not a trace of blood. Where did it all go? Where's the instrument? Where's the clothing? How could that all have been accomplished? No, I think that O.J. was there. I think his son came there too, and I believe that they know nobody expected Ron Goldman to be there. Uh, that was just a fortuitous event, Goldman bringing, so we're told, uh, um, Nicole Simpson's glasses back from the restaurant where she had dined that evening. And so uh, Frank has developed the argument. I don't know the details of that. I know Jason Simpson did not like his stepmother at all. O.J. created problems with her, too, and things got out of hand. And that is what the story was with the O.J. Simpson. Um, Doctor, I, I, Doctor, I I'm fascinated. I want to tell you. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I, I am fascinated by you. Well, and I got one last quick. I got one last quick ten-second right. question okay. for you. Do you think? Do, do you right. think the Illuminati t- killed Elvis Presley? And Kurt Cobain, do you think there was more to the uh, story behind their death? No. Yeah. Well, there's more to the story. Uh, Kirk, uh, um, Elvis Presley did not die from heart disease. Elvis Presley died from 11 drugs that had been prescribed for him by Dr. Nicopolis. I don't believe anybody else was involved in that. I think it was a, a tragic accidental death uh, from all of those drugs. Um, and uh, Kurt Cobain, I do not believe, was a suicide. I believe it was a homicide. Um, and... Uh, uh, there's no way in the world that he had the level of heroin which he supposedly injected into his body, and then he conveniently repackages his drug kit um, and took the shotgun and killed himself. That's totally absurd. So that's my final comments on those two cases. Okay. Absolutely, because right. I know I know Thank you were involved you. with those cases too. So I wanted to yeah, ask, yeah. but promote right. your well, book. Tell yeah. everybody where they can find Thank you, where they can get involved, yeah. all that good yeah. stuff. The, Thank you. Uh, life and deaths of Cyril Wick, Memoirs of America's Most Controversial Forensic Pathologist. Uh, the best way to get it is through Amazon. It's published by McFarland Publishing Company in North Carolina. I would recommend getting it through Amazon. Bookstores will have it too. Uh, Amazon probably the best. And I do hope that people will find it. They'll find it extremely interesting. I discussed many of these cases, all of the cases that we've talked about this evening, as well as matters dealing with the criminal justice system of fascinating interest. I hope that people will, will get the book and they will enjoy it immensely. I thank you very much for having invited me. A pleasure talking with you. And I want to wish you and all of your listeners the best for a healthy new year. Okay. Thank you, sir. And let's get you back very thank soon because I could talk to you. Right. I could talk to you all day. I got, I got so <laughs> many. I got well, so many things to ask you. But uh, you have a happy new year. Well, Take care. Thank you. All right, all right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, I want to introduce to the show. I believe we have with us famous comedian uh, Ter. Is he with us right now? I want to make sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Terry McNeely. Terry, what's up, buddy? Yes, what's going on? How you doing, man? What's new? It's been a while. Um, this I haven't been I haven't had you on. So I don't think. What's up? I'm sorry. No, I said this show is so diverse. It's amazing. Thank you. You have you Thank have you, the man. world world famous pathologist on that was on the Jean Benet Ramsey case. And JFK and Robert Kennedy and the JFK thing, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm obsessed with. And he was riding the money with everything. That's one of the only conspiracies I actually believe in. And now you have a guy that tells dick jokes for a living who lives in a basement apartment in, in Long Island and feeding chicken and broccoli and drinking rum and Cokes. This show is amazingly diverse. 
Thank you, man. Well, I really appreciate your support. You know, I, I love your I, I love your work. I love what you do. You know, you're a true patriot. You're funny as hell. And uh, dude, that 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 meal actually sounds pretty good. I'm actually having a chicken salad right now, um, and, and I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm doing. I'm actually doing the keto diet. I, I started doing that, and I'm actually, you know, I I feel really good, man. I, I'm in like the best shape of my life right now. And uh, really? you know, what 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 they say is true, man. It does work. It really does. Um, I'll have to do that. Man, what, I still I still eat like it's 1976. Fritos, bacon, chicken and broccoli. Dude, coffee dude, in the morning, do, green dude, tea I, all I was, day, and uh, bourbon all night. <laughs> dude, I was dude, I was eating so much bad food, and I I had to cut back. I mean, it's so addicting, especially during this pandemic. I mean, it makes it so easy because there's nothing really else to do except eat, man. There's nothing open. Yep. There's, you know, it's, it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, it's like, God damn. Uh, but no, what's the four one one, man? How are things? Um, it's been a while. What, what's uh, what's new? Four one one is I'm not allowed to tell jokes anywhere because apparently coronavirus comes out at ten oh one p.m. where that interrupts our show times. So they they release the corona at ten oh one p.m. and everybody has to be indoors. It's all right if it's during the day, but if it's out at night, it'll it's going to get you. And, and so tell us so so the comedy clubs we you know obviously you know you you do stand up quite a bit. You've been doing it for a while. You're very popular on Twitter. Um, and comedy clubs, they, they vary right now in different states, different cities. But where you're at, are they completely just the doors are locked? The doors are locked because I'm in New York, which is a blue state. If I was in Indiana, possibly Ohio, Missouri, and the Carolinas, I might right. be okay. I'm not allowed to do right. pretty much anything. So I sit in my apartment and watch. Fox and Newsmax, and I grow a beard, and I start drinking at 5 p.m. Pretty much how it is here. Yeah, and uh, and all these states that are are strictly locked down, New York and California are strictly locked down. I don't take too much stock in this COVID thing. I I believe that exists, but I do not believe that the, the numbers they're telling us are anywhere close to accurate. Because uh, I had a friend that died in a motorcycle accident, and they brought him into the hospital in five pieces, and on his death certificate it said COVID. So uh, you know, you, if you you die of uh, you get shot 37 times with a 38 in the chest, your cause of death is COVID. And a guy who you know, flies off a miles motorcycle, his death is COVID. And heart attacks now, cancer, apparently uh, the flu, bronchitis, and strep throat and pneumonia don't exist anymore. That you got really got to hand it to COVID for curing all these diseases because nobody ever gets regular sick anymore since last uh, March 10th last year. You just get COVID. Everyone that lines up gets COVID because New York State gets $10,000 per positive diagnosis, and then uh, Cuomo goes on there and blames Trump. Well, you bring up a really good point, dude. I mean, you're absolutely right, and and. You know, they, they stopped counting the flu. They, they, they yeah. uh, you know, they, they get paid more money at these hospitals to uh, put COVID on the death certificate. And I knew somebody that got hit by a car, and you brought up a good point earlier. I, I, I know somebody that got hit by a car, and they labeled his death COVID. I mean, they will do whatever yeah, it takes to skew these. They will do whatever it takes to skew these numbers. And like you said, obviously yep. it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real thing. But it's also very exaggerated and over, you know, dramatic. And 
just the fear mongering with the media and all the bullshit and people wearing masks when they're driving in their yeah. cars by themselves or walking by, by themselves. themselves. I'm like, Isn't really, that amazing? By really themselves. clowns. I'm like, really sheep. I'm like, really. Trump calls it the China virus. I call it the Malin voter ballot fraud virus. So that's basically what this was. This was a pre, a predetermined scam all the way back right after Christmas last year. Pretty much how it works. They basically told uh, there, there's a walk-in clinic in the New York area called City MD, where they told all the jerk-offs from Long Island and New York, you can get a free COVID test. So now every one of these clinics has a line of 88 to 120 sheep lined up out there. Well, they're people, but I call them sheep. They're lined up out, out the clinic <laughs> door, down the next block, and then down the next three side blocks, standing out there starting at 8 a.m. And uh, pretty much what my, my opinion is what they're doing is like, like remember the, the game we used to play when we were a little duck, duck, goose? That's basically what it is. It's, uh, it's you don't have COVID, you don't have COVID, you do. You don't have COVID, you don't have COVID, <laughs> duck, duck, goose. Duck, duck, goose, duck, duck, goose. That's how it is. Because they have to keep the numbers up to spread the fear so Cuomo can go on there and spread his complete and utter bullshit lies and keep the fear going by all these brainwashed, delusional maniacs that live in the five boroughs. <laughs> they all, they, 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 they're, they're riding bikes with masks. They're in their cars alone with masks. There's pictures on Facebook of people swimming in swimming pools and the ocean with a mask. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Let's do the doggy paddle off the coast of, <laughs> in a beach somewhere where you can barely breathe anyway, if you're like me who's been smoking for 30 years. But let's put a mask on top of that while you're swimming back to the shore because you're really brilliant because you're a liberal named Joanne from uh, Muttontown. Yeah, d- dude, dude, yeah, too funny, man. No, I agree. And, and dude, they're, they're standing out in the cold for hours. Why don't they just go to a doctor's office? Why don't they just, I mean, it's like, it, and why, why are so many people testing? Like if, I mean, it, these people don't even necessarily have symptoms, but they, they want to go find, they want to go find out. I mean, if you're not feeling sick, there's no reason to get tested. And I'm in California. They heard, so I they know heard the word yeah, free. They heard yeah, the word uh, free. That's ex- why they're lined exactly, up. They're, oh, it's free? Ex- exactly. It's a the, free the, mo- the mooches the mooches and the leeches. And, and I know <laughs> I know exactly what you're – I'm in California, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm over here in Palm Springs. I live in Palm Springs, California. I mean, it's pretty it, – It's for the most part, it's pro-Trump over here. A lot of, a lot of rich retirees. Um, a lot of tourists come here, very nice golf courses, nice hotels, really old-fashioned downtown. Um, Brent, people like Frank Sinatra made it famous, Bob Hope, Ronald yeah, Reagan. Sinatra lives there, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of history here, but it's mostly Republican. But you go to other parts of California an hour away or two hours away, you know, I'm only like an hour and a half from L.A., hour and a half from Orange County. So, I mean, Orange County's Republican, though, but if you go to L.A., Oh my God, man! I mean, and even here, we're on lockdown here, and it's sad because Governor Nazi Newsom is no. making all the rules for the entire state, just like Cuomo. Yeah, but 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 he can go to the French Laundry and eat uh, seventy-five dollars snails, right? Laughing with no mask <laughs> on, with all his with all his health his health advice buddies, his his health care buddies in the state of California, as they're all laughing at the peasants. Ha 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 ha. We fooled them again. They're wearing masks, and we're out here 
drink, uh, eating escargot and drinking bottles of Moe and laughing at them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, these, people it's... Lined, these people lined up at the doctor. Uh, yeah, you know what? If you're on Long Island and you're waiting outside on a 47-person line in 30 degrees, eventually you will be sick when you go in there. It's called pneumonia and bronchitis and the flu that we've had this year for thousands of years. And 60,000 people died of each one of those ailments for the last thousand or two or three or four years. But now, like I said, duck, duck, goose, COVID. No COVID, no COVID, COVID. No COVID, no COVID, COVID. Because we have to keep up the quota. (laughs) The quota feeds the bullshit, feeds the fear. And that's why morons didn't go to the ballots. They mailed it in. And that's why they tricked everybody into thinking that this guy, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Biden gets 81 million votes. If Donald Trump got 74 million, the only remaining people are 59 million votes. So basically they cheated by 22 million votes because they had dead people, dogs, cats, and convicted criminals murderers in jail and everybody make believe the tooth fairy i think voted i think the easter bunny voted 63 times and terry terry i mean you know they want to say a guy got more that got four they want to say biden got 14 million more votes than obama i mean biden can't yeah, even count exactly. to four or for, or form a complete <laughs> sentence he can't even get a crowd you know i mean yeah. we all hate obama we all we all think obama's the worst president ever he's a disgrace but he actually had he actually had appeal. He could actually get people yeah, into a yeah, room. Yeah, exactly. He actually had, he, he actually he had, had charisma. Yeah, yes, Obama yes. had the charisma of Obama had the charisma of Reagan and JFK. He was he was an amazing speaker. He, he had polished, a, 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 a immense giant movement behind behind his campaigns. The Democrat right. that's the Democrat Messiah after you know after FDR and everybody else. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. A guy is hidden his basement. And, and, we're he's trying, campaign. and we're trying to say, and Terry, and Terry, they're trying to say. I mean, look at look at Trump. Seventy five million votes, more than any sitting president in history. And we're tr- and, yeah. and people are trying to say he lost. Give me a fucking break. Excuse my French. There, there isn't enough American citizens. There's not enough American citizens to make that math work out. Okay, my dad's a math teacher. I'm not that great at math. But I know if Trump got 74 or 75 million, there's only another 59 million registered voters in the United States of America. So getting to 81 million is impossible. Okay, I'm not a mathematician, but I have a calculator on my iPhone. It's impossible. Yeah. That's why they're finding ballots and stuff. And the fact that they're even questioning all, all these left-leaning, left-leaning, you know, Democrats and rhinos and all these different, uh, you know, compromised people are even trying to hide stuff. I mean, if you've got nothing to hide, show us the evidence, Georgia. Show us Pennsylvania. Show yeah. us Wisconsin. Yep. Show us Arizona. We want to see that. We want to <laughs> see the details. And, and they have videoed evidence. And then, like, the Supreme Court or – Whatever the local, the local lower judges go, no, no, nothing happened. Oh, really, nothing happened? There's the guy rolling out suitcases like you see on an airport with the handle and the roll and the wheels. They're rolling <laughs> suitcases out. 
what do you think? Uh, six or seven people that work there just happened to be going on a vacation to fucking Hawaii 10 minutes after they counted <laughs> votes. There's suitcases being rolled out of a table. It's, dude, it's mind-blowing. And, and look at, like, just look at how weird this whole year has been. I mean, it's, everybody's a zombie out there. You go to a grocery store, everybody acts like zombies. Everybody's nuts. Everybody's paranoid. I mean, you know, this Christmas they were and Thanksgiving they were trying. These politicians were trying to dictate and tell us that who, how many family members we can have in our house or whether we can see our family. I mean, yeah. this whole this whole situation has turned into third world with their ideology. Yeah, because well, because they, they just keep spreading all this fear all over the state, over the TV stations, and I've seen people get into like <laughs> massive fights. I, I was I was at Lowe's in I was at Lowe's in Home Depot with my landlord the other day, and me and him we don't wear masks because we're not zombies, okay? I don't get sick. I'm a chain smoker since 1988. I get bronchitis every pneumonia. I I, I get the bronchitis. I'm sorry, every November, and then it lasts till about Christmas time, where I, I have a chronic cough. But I, that's happened to me since I was in eighth grade, okay? I don't get sick. So I don't wear a mask. And people call me, they, they, they see me at Home Depot. Uh, excuse me, sir, you need a mask? I go, no, I don't. Well, you need to have a mask in this store. I go, let me ask you something. Do masks work? Do you think masks work? And they go, yeah. I go, good. Then you have a fucking mask on. Get out of my face right now. Get out of my face. I have a permission slip to not wear a mask. It's called the goddamn Constitution. So turn around and walk away, Okay. And it frustrates me. Here's what frustrates me is that they don't take the Constitution enough into consideration with this whole mass controlling scenario. I mean, if you really, yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, anybody would say that it goes against our, our constitutional rights. I mean, there's no doubt about of course it. Not. Yeah. Restricting the movement of sick people is a that's a quarantine. Restricting the movement of healthy right. people is tyranny. Yeah, that's true. That's every true, man. single thing that this country is about, everything. You cannot restrict yes. the movement of healthy people. You cannot tell them. It's amazing. Like, you know, you walk into a bar, you're, you're, up, you're up in walking level, okay? So you have to have the mask. So you don't have to have the mask in your car. And you're okay in the parking lot. You open the, the bar or the restaurant door. You gotta have the mask on immediately. Then you go sit down. So now you now you're now you're down at the three foot level. So now you can take the mask off. Apparently, Corona swims up at about four to seven feet. It swims across vertically like a like a serpent. It's gonna get you. Don't stand up because the Corona will get you. But if you're sitting down, if there's only a beer on the bar, you are in jeopardy of getting Corona. Once they bring over Cuomo fries, as we call them here in New York. Once, oh, oh, this is what they do in New York. You have to order a food item because then you're safe yep. from Corona. Same here. Same here. So we you call them Cuomo fries. Oh, it's like, uh, you sit down, you ask the bartender, yeah, I'll take a Jim Beam and the Rocks. Could you please bring my chicken fingers very, very quickly? Because apparently you get coronavirus if you also don't have food. Oh, the food's here. <laughs> oh, honey, the, food. honey, the food has arrived. So now we're safe. Because now I'm dipping chicken fingers into honey mustard so the corona can't get us. It swims right mm-hmm. to my head, 
sees that I'm eating chicken fingers and then makes a, an abrupt U-turn and goes and swims to the next guy, and then, boom, he has coronavirus because he has a Coors Light with no chicken fingers. <laughs> God damn it, what was he thinking? Terry, Terry McNeely, I love having you with us, man. Funny, funny comedian. Um, you know, I'm excited for you to get back to stand-up. Uh, I, I love everything you're doing on Twitter. you got a huge following. Uh, obviously, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, where they can donate. Um, and let's get you back here uh, very soon. Yeah, um, I'm, on, well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Terry McNeely Comedian on Twitter. Terry McNeely Comedian on Parlor. Terry McNeely Comedian fan page on Facebook. My Instagram was deleted because I said something nice about America, so that got deactivated, so that's gone. Uh, other than that, there's basically no shows that I have going on because I'm not allowed to work in New York because Cuomo, um, basically, he's not out for health. He's out to kill small business and economy. Because if you have an open mic comedy show where you don't charge to get in, you're allowed to do that. But if you charge someone to walk in the door, so basically karaoke guys, bands, and DJs, and comedians are now unemployed, and we are not allowed to work. So it's amazing. But I see you have a lot of congresswomen and congressmen later coming up on the show who are way more important to me as, you know, Stay, stay with us. Stay with us. Listen, to answer the procedure the doctor line, you had on. on the line. No, dude, I hey, feel so on. unimportant on this show. And you guys, you have some such important people coming up here. So give them the time, man. And everybody in well, yeah, Georgia, get out I'll and vote and you, save this country. I'll, Please save this absolutely. country. Absolutely. Carrie, here's what I'll do. I, I, can still keep, I, can, I can keep as many people on the line as I want. I'll just, I'll just put you on mute so you can listen to the show. Um, but I want I'm to tell you the show, but, uh, but put them on definitely. Yeah, but no, I want to tell you something real quick. You may have to move to Vegas, yeah, man. I mean, Vegas is where all the comedians are, are going right now because it's open and they can actually do shows and even Arizona, Texas. I mean, there's a lot of options for you. I don't know if you want to get out of New York though. I don't know what, what your whole, you know, arrangement I, there is. Thanks out of New York, but when I move, I'm going to move to Tennessee or Kentucky so I can walk around with 16 guns on my belt. I want to wake up at <laughs> noon, drink coffee on my porch, and just, I just hold a gun and a coffee cup. That's all I want to do. That's uh, That'll be my dream dream retirement. But yeah, yeah, listen, amen. get these important people. Oh, and I'm going to listen to the rest amen. of the show, man. Amen. They're amen. awesome, amen. and God, God. I'll, come on. I'll come on anytime, brother. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get you back very soon, man. God bless. And tell everybody where they can connect with you. Yeah, just Twitter, Parlor, and uh, Facebook. Terry McNeely Comedian on all of them. All right, perfect, perfect. Uh, I want to introduce to the show, I want to introduce to the show, I believe she's with us right now. We have U.S. Senate candidate from New Jersey, Trisha Flanagan. Trisha, how are you? Welcome. Oh, thank you, Rory. Uh, thanks for having me on. What a great show you've got going on. The last guest was uh, far funnier than I am, so uh, it's a hard, a hard act to follow. <laughs> well, um, I am so glad to have you back, and it, uh, it's an honor. And, uh, you know, you're doing a lot of great – and uh, there's a lot of big things going on, you know, in our country. And I know you're, you know, um, getting involved with uh, – you know, the, the fight and it's crazy, but tell tell us what's new. What's the latest, what, what, uh, what's the 411? What's some of the latest uh, projects you've been, uh, you know, working on? 
Sure. So uh, as you probably know, and as we talked about on your show before, New Jersey is this anomaly where, you know, we're blue by voter turnout, not by voter demographics. So I am working really hard, launching a few projects. One is the New Jersey uh, Conservative Coalition. I also joined Campaign for America. So we do, uh, we're kind of a news show in a way to give updates uh, during this interim period before, I'm going to say before we get President Trump back into office for his second term, because I do believe that's going to happen. I do believe he's going to be inaugurated on January 20th, but the heavy lifting is being done right now. And so I'm spearheading the New Jersey initiative, again, with Campaign for America, and I'm working across the country with other like-minded politicians and, and constitutional conservatives to make sure that we tee up all of the avenues that President Trump has to that victory. How the hell do we get New Jersey to stop voting Democrat? I mean, God damn, we could fix so many problems. <laughs> well, it's true. And we have 14 electoral college votes. That's, that's worth, you know, a few of those square states, right? Um, and, and here's the, the, the anomaly that I mentioned. And, and Trisha, real quick, Trisha, I wanted to say, I just wanted to say real quick that it looks yeah. as if a lot of New Jersey people have started supporting Trump, and it's actually a, a, a quite, a, quite a large amount, like overwhelming. So who knows what could happen in the future? But go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You're, you're, that's okay. You're exactly right. And, you know, there was that big a Wildwood New Jersey rally uh, last year, and, and it really kicked off a lot of uh, fire in New Jersey that was latent. And by that I mean that, you know, we're one of the – we're the only blue state that's, you know, uh, blue legislatively, but at its core we are actually conservative. And I have numbers to back that up. Uh, Gallup recently confirmed that New Jersey is conservative. So the issue is that when you look at just Democrats versus Republicans, just to get, you know, some boring numbers out there, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers, we're outnumbered in, our, in, in New Jersey almost two to one. I also see Democrats a lot of voter fraud there, too. There's voter fraud, but, but here's, the, here's the crown jewel in all of this, is that the largest voter segment in New Jersey is the 2.4 million unaffiliated conservatives. That's the swing vote. They've been underserved and underrepresented, uh, underrepresented. And that's my charge, is to make sure that we leverage that power and, and turn New Jersey red. Well, I, here's, you know, I mean, we've seen, you know, in the past, I mean, New York, you know, be red. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, I, I don't know if New Jersey's ever been red in the past. It probably has, but it's been definitely been a while. But I mean, I, I think we're we're seeing a strong shift and change. I mean, as long as these Dominion machines and these voter fraud scenarios don't keep taking place, I mean, and the we get fair and accurate elections and the, and the people get to speak, I, I I think the Democratic Party, I think they're done. But if they can somehow pull off their dirty tricks and keep cheating, then, uh, you know, I, who, who knows, who knows when it, you know, if we'll, if we'll keep, if we'll keep getting Republicans elected. I mean, it's, it's a scary, scary time. And with tech so evolved and how many, how, how many people they, they've got on the inside and how many people they are connected with in terms of dirty donors. I mean, these people will go to whatever extreme to re- remain in power. 
Well, you know, you're you're right about some of the uh, shenanigans that go on, and some of the, you know, um, you know, it, it runs deep. A guy named Norcross runs kind of the the Democrat slate here. But the good news is that you know, Governor Chris Christie. I'm not a fan, quite frankly. I'm gonna get in trouble because Me he still runs not a lot of politics. <laughs> I'm I'm not a fan, and primarily because he has, uh, you know, he came out recently and made a statement about President Trump's legal team that, you know, he said yeah. they were an embarrassment. I think he's flat wrong. But, uh, you know, bottom line is that he is a Republican. He was a governor for eight years. So New Jersey does elect, uh, you know, can elect a Republican governor. Uh, we haven't right. had a win, though. Federally, since 1972, we just crossed our 49th year without a win at the federal level. But again, nominating a true conservative is going to be the key. And I think that as we move forward, that treasure trove of voters, those unaffiliated conservatives, that's going to be the key to the win. Yeah, and speaking of Christie, you know, I, I don't like how he's badmouthed Trump. He's badmouthed Trump more more than once on multiple occasions. I mean, he's kind of two-faced and. I, I, you know, I, I, he he wants to run in 2024. I mean, the guy the guy has no chance. He might as well go back go back and eat a bunch of Big Macs. I mean, and just eat the ice cream and sit at home and enjoy retirement. Sorry about that. I I, I just had to say that. Yeah. But no. But how is he as a governor? Pretty lousy, right? I mean, he was he was a rhino, right, for the most part. Well, that's kind of how he was known in a lot of ways. Uh, he held, he holds the record for a governor leaving office with the lowest approval rating in, in our country's yep. history. Yep. He left Saw with that. a fifteen yeah, percent approval rating, one five. Um, and so uh, you know, but yet, like you just said, he has his eyes on twenty twenty four. Um, you know, and and strategically, I think that that's his logic behind bashing President Trump, because if he can if he can neuter uh, the Trump uh, energy that we have in New Jersey, then he is positioning himself all the better for 2024. I don't think he think he's going to get momentum. Uh, and and again, New Jersey is gaining more and more enthusiasm for President Trump all the time. We're still solidly behind him when it comes to the conservatives. So uh, you know, January 20th is going to be the turning point. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But we're very optimistic here. No, I, I hope so. I mean, I, you know, you know, we need to fix, we need to fix the East Coast. We need to fix so we need to fix a lot of these places. I mean, and do you think Joe Murphy will get a second term? Well, right now, see, we have off-year elections, so I've already come out and endorsed Jack Titarelli for the Republican uh, nomination for 2021 to take My on. Bad. Phil Murphy. Phil Murphy. I said Joe Murphy. Phil Murphy. Oh, no, that's right. Well, you know, uh, we're trying to forget his name here, too, believe me. Um, and, you know, he, he's on the record as saying that the Constitution is above his pay grade. So we're very eager to get him replaced. Uh, with, it's going to be a contest between Jack Cittarelli, uh, as I mentioned, and a guy by the name of Doug Steinhardt. He was the chair of the NJGOP here. And uh, he is, uh, he, he, you know, he's a rhino as well. Uh, he is a Chris Christie affiliate, and Jack Cittarelli is the true conservative. It's going to be a battle for the nomination, but I do believe whoever gets the nomination for the GOP uh, is going to be formidable, and we've got to make uh, Phil Murphy done in 21. 
Amen. Amen. I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's quite the disgrace. Um, and you're, are you, are you, um, are you going to be going to the March in DC on the 6th? So I, I'm not going to be in DC, but I am going to be uh, on the line giving commentary on the campaign for America show. We're going to do coverage and I'm going to be giving uh, my input and I'm going to be rallying for the cause. So we're going to have people on the ground there that we're going to be communicating with. So, uh, you know, we're all just, you know, we're we're all just rallying wherever we are. And that is going to be uh, an epic moment in history. Our president is calling for everyone to be in DC. And if you can't be there, you know, send your enthusiasm and your energy. And uh, there's a lot that's tripping already in terms of uh, we just heard today that Senator Hawley in Missouri is going to uh, champion the cause on the Senate floor. We have about a dozen members of the U.S. House of Representatives who are going to uh, challenge the Electoral College certifications in uh, those states that sent two slates of electors. So we have a lot of energy mounting, and uh, it's going to be one for the history books. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, this whole country is is making a change and we're, and we're it's, it's a huge shift and we're standing up and, you know, we're all coming together and this whole unity thing with all these Trump patriots, it's a beautiful uh, scene to see, you know, it, it I really mean, is. we have, it's like we built a family. I mean, the Trump, the Trump tribe has built a family. I mean, he's really brought so many people and, and his supporters together, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I think the Republican Party without President Trump uh, will will almost be non-existent. I mean, this is a force. Uh, you know, uh, for four years now, we've seen it building, and this is the crescendo, right? So, I mean, um, the things that are already starting to happen and, and the momentum again around the Constitution, just the constitutionality of what is happening. We haven't seen this really uh, ever in history, uh, you know, uh, testing our 12th Amendment. We have, we have had presidents elected via the 12th Amendment before, but all the constellations that we're seeing at play right now, this is an unprecedented moment in history. But if we have a, a Congress who will fight for our Constitution, that is going to yeah. be the win for President Trump. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, Tricia, it is always uh, a great honor to speak with you. Let's get you back here soon. Uh, and you're running again. In a, you're running again, right? You'll be running again for Senate? I am. I am. I'm running again in 2024 to take on Bob Menendez. Uh, you know, the election cycles are oh, short. I can't stand Twitter. that guy. I can't stand that little elf. I can't stand him. He's <laughs> such a little punk. He, he's a criminal. He's wrong for New Jersey, and he's wrong for America. At that U.S. Senate level, you know, this is a this is a seat that that functions to serve all America, and we've got to take him on. And the election cycle is uh, it's going to be three years away when we broach 2021, but the the cycles are shorter and shorter, and we can't waste a moment to make sure that Menendez is finally out of that U.S. Senate seat for good. I agree. I agree. We got to get him the hell out of there. I mean, he's a, he's a pervert too. He's a real pervert. He goes down to all these different foreign countries and has sex with underage girls. I mean, we're talking like 12, 13 year olds. I mean, there's been some dirty stories about him. He's a sick man. He is not somebody that is an, is an idol or, or, or a role model or a hero in any sort of way. I mean, 
I can't believe he keeps getting elected. I don't, I don't get why these people trust him. I mean, and, and he's been involved with so many financial scandals. I mean, I could go on and on about this guy's track record. Oh, well, you're right. He was indicted for a felony. Uh, it was a hung jury. Uh, but uh, before his last election, uh, you know, how does an indicted felon get another term in the U.S. Senate? It, it was a breach of everything decent when he ran uh, for a re-election in 2018. So we've got to make sure that looking to 2024 that we, make, that we get somebody right in that office. And I believe that that's going to be myself, and I'm working hard already to launch my campaign. And uh, I look forward to walking that journey with you too because, uh, again, this is going to reach all across America. When we get rid of Menendez, we do something right for this country. Well, Tr- Trisha, I'm rooting for you. I'm praying for you. You're a very talented woman. You're a very successful woman. Uh, you, you, you've done a lot in life and, you know, you're, you're, you're giving back all your knowledge and insight to rebuild and, and, and fix, you know, our, our broken system. And, you know, we need patriots like you in America to, to fight for us. So God bless your soul. So thank you for this. And we will, and, oh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Th- thank you so much. God bless you and God bless your viewers. And, uh, look forward to talking again very soon. And by the way, Trisha, did you already give your plugs? Did you already say where people can find you and connect with you? Oh, so you know what? Find me on Twitter and, and on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter and Facebook, the handle is at New Day for NJ, all spelled out, at New Day for NJ. And on Instagram, it's Flanagan for Senate. Sounds good. Sounds good. We will talk to you soon. We'll get you back here. I, I really love talking to you, and I have a lot more to ask you. So we will make that happen probably in the next couple of weeks. Oh, wonderful. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, and Happy New Year. You too. Thank you, Trisha. Thanks. Bye-bye. I I want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us right now. Very excited to talk to him. We have DC insider and investigative reporter uh, Fred Lucas. Fred, what's up, buddy? Welcome back to the show. How the hell are you? Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. What's new? What's the 411? What's the latest? The rundown. Well, uh, I I think really really what, what we're getting ready for now is um, January sixth, right? Uh, the, the, I mean, um, going into New Year, uh, that's the big day. And Josh Hawley is the first uh, U.S. senator. I don't think he'll be the last to step forward and say that he's going to uh, co-sponsor or that he will sign on to one of these objections. Uh, so so that is going to be very interesting. Uh, and January sixth will essentially bring an end to the controversial 2020 election. That's going to be what we'll know what happens. I expect that's going to go into the wee hours because um, it, it depends on how the objections are written, but I think that the Senate and the House will end up debating uh, each contested state separately. So, so that's going to be really interesting. And you know, it's probably not going to change the outcome, but what it will do, it will uh, force a, a lot of these questions, a lot of these uh, voter fraud issues out into the open, into a debate, uh, and, and that, that could have some value, and, 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 and that could lead to, to discovering other things. We don't know yet. And, and Fred, um, I was going to ask you, you know, you're a Trump guy, you know, you, you're a fan of Trump you, you, and you write, you write for the daily caller, you write for some very big uh, magazines and uh, columns that you've been doing. 
and you've been doing this a while, and you've been you've been in D.C. You've been you've been investigating a lot of various things. So, how do you see this playing out on January sixth? What is your per, what's your perception of this entire thing? Because I know, obviously, like I said a, a second ago, you're a fan of Trump. But do you think do you think he has a good chance of Mike Pence going out there and saying? Because a lot of people do. A lot of people think that Mike Pence is going to go out on that floor and say this is an illegitimate election, and we're going to have a lot of good fighters like Hawley, and I expect a lot more senators to step up. Um, we've already had a lot of uh, Congress people step up. Uh, your overall uh, view of that? Oh, well, um, I, I, I think there, there, there is this outstanding lawsuit right now uh, with uh, Congressman Louis Gomer, who is bringing a um, – uh, so actually, with the uh, alternative set of electors from Arizona, uh, and they brought this in a U.S. District Court in Texas, um, they they are are trying to uh, push forward um, basically that assert uh, have a legal justification, a legal opinion set forth that uh, Mike Pence, as the presiding officer, when uh, Congress meets in this joint session on January sixth. That uh, they, that he can essentially uh, disqualify um, any of the votes, any of the electoral college votes to come from the states that are suspected of being fraudulent. Uh, that would be, you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona. We we talked about all those. Um, all, all those states, there's seven in total. Uh, they put together an alternative set of electors. Now, if all seven of those states of Trump electors, if all seven of those states end up flipping to Trump, uh, or even six or five of those uh, flip to Trump, then that would overturn the election. Uh, it doesn't look like right now, uh, from, from what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've read, um, what I've talked to people about, um, it, it does not seem like Pence is on board with this yet. And, and, and even part of this lawsuit that Louis Gomer is pushing is to maybe force the hand of Pence a bit. You're cut. You're cutting down a little bit. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I said part. Uh, it does not seem that uh, Vice President Pence is on board entirely with uh, with taking taking that step by himself. But but it does look like the Louis Gomer's lawsuit, uh, Congressman Gomer. Uh, is trying to force the hand of the vice president a little bit. Well, no, I hear I hear you on that, but I I don't think Pence would have ever signed on to that because he would have made it too obvious, and I think the media would have gone crazy. I think Pence is trying to play this cool. How do you feel about that that point of view? Well, well that is possible. I mean, a lot of things aren't as they seem. Uh, we learned that on election night, right? <laughs> they aren't as they seem. But um, I mean. The, Hmm. That is something that is out. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty it's, fuzzy. It's, it's I don't know what's going on. Fuzzy. That's very likely. And, and, and it is something that they would want to get litigated. Um, the issue, the interesting aspect of this litigation is that we will have some information by 5 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, and that's this litigation that Louis Dormer has brought uh, because they have asked that the court uh, push this. Uh, by 5 p.m. or the, the Pence responds to this lawsuit by 5 p.m. on December 31st. 
So I have some right. idea, at least publicly, what Mike Pence is saying that he will do uh, on January 6th. And, and from there, Gomer has until 9 a.m. on January 1st to respond to what the Vice President's Council has put forward. Uh, and, and from that point, um, it could conceivably go to the Supreme Court. It would have to be expedited past the appeals court, I think, given the small window of time to the Supreme Court to decide this matter. So we could see the Supreme Court weighing in on this election yet again. Right. No, it's true. It's true. And, and Fred, I want to get you back on here next week. I want to spend more time with you. I I, um, am running short uh, on time here tonight, but tell everybody where they can connect, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Uh, Yeah, please follow me on Twitter. Uh, That's at FredLucasWH. And uh, please check out my book, uh, Abuse of Power. It's about, uh, it gives you a real inside story about uh, the the Joe Biden scandal, the Hunter Biden scandal, and and how that was used as a club against Trump. Uh, And basically how um, Democrats uh, and some even in the media uh, essentially set out to impeach Donald Trump and take down his presidency even before his inauguration, to the inside story on that. Abuse of Power. Uh, you can find that on Amazon um, or Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Fred, always a pleasure. We'll get you back here next week. Let's talk a lot more. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about, obviously, because of this whole January 6th thing. So uh, have a great New Year, man, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year to you. Thanks. I want to welcome to the show. I believe we have with us best-selling author David Galvin. My boy David, what's up, buddy? How are you? What's up, my man, Rory? What's going on, brother? Oh, uh, man, just another day, man. Just uh, only only a few, uh, only less than forty-eight hours left until we can say goodbye to this shitty twenty-twenty. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. And who knows what twenty-twenty-one, what twenty-twenty-one will bring. Anyhow, brother, it could be just as tumultuous as 2020. And I think in one week on January 6th, we're going to get a big clue about what our future in America will be. And we're going to get a big clue on where Mike Pence, the vice president, sits on the fence on everything. It's going to come down to him in one week to give the go-ahead for that final vote if it comes to that. And that's going to be very interesting in one week, brother. No, it really is. I mean, it, you know, we, we are living in a um, – we're living in something that uh, I've never seen. I mean, this is – our political system has never endured or, or, or gone through this sort of roller coaster ride. You know what I mean? This is, this is like buckle up your seatbelts. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, we're getting to the, the, the crossroads here. Uh, Donald Trump had stalled the New World Order plans. In 2016, when he became president instead of Hillary Clinton, there was no, there was, uh, it was definitely going to be a pushback from the deep state coming into 2020. There was no way they were just going to let President Donald Trump come in nonchalantly in 2020, win, and keep the game going. Right now, they're really pushing things on with the Great Reset. They're using the COVID 19 lockdowns as an impetus to bring us into the Great Reset, which is a uh, being pushed by the uh, World Economic Forum, uh, which is also going to contain the Green New Deal. So there's a lot of chips going, there's a lot of chips on the table right here. 
And we're just at a time period right now where America is either going to go forward into greatness, we'll make America great again, or Joe Biden will be president on January 21st, and all hell's going to break loose, and, and America is over. There's not going to be a 2024. There's not going to be Donald Trump in 2024. Uh, don't even worry about the 2022 midterms because Joe Biden and his uh, puppeteers, whoever's controlling him, the people at the top, they're, they're going to push America to the brink, and they're going to they're go for broke, and there's not going to be any tomorrow unless we get Donald Trump president on January 6th, or if he pushes the Insurrection Act, which he signed on uh, about the executive order in 2018 about foreign interference into elections. And that's going to be the next part if we don't get this on January 6th, brother. Dude, I agree. I mean, it, dude, it's it, – it, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, you know, we have to – it's like we – how do we just accept? How do we just sit there and stay silent and, and government tells us, just accept the results. The Democrats say accept the outcome. Well, you you assholes didn't accept it for four years. What what? Why should we be any different? I mean, obviously our party is more mature. We have more morals and ethics. You know, we have we we actually have respect, and we're not sore losers. But we clearly know we got cheated. I mean, there's no there's no going around it. I mean, this is and that's what bothers me every day when I see all these news outlets saying. Trump supporters not accepting, not accepting. Do you know what you guys used to write? I mean, come on. You guys used to coddle the Hillary supporters. Uh, you're right, brother. You know, you had your uh, first guest on talking about the JFK assassination. Well, a lot of people yeah. didn't buy that magic bullet in 1963 and subsequent years afterwards. And right now, the American people are not buying this BS about how Joe Biden won fair and square after five states locked themselves down in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden the magic votes reappeared. And it's just the same thing, and they're just using the same types of propaganda by the mainstream media, as in the JFK assassination, to cover up the lies. The deep state does not want to give up their power. They do not want to give up their money. They don't want to give up anything. That's why you see I'm, – I'm glad to see these traitors like Mitch McConnell now coming to the surface while they're trying to play two sides over four years. Good. I'm glad to see him come out and be an anti-Trumper. We already know that his wife, sister, is on the bank of China's board. His wealth has gone from like about $5 trillion to $40 trillion over the last few years. It, it's all coming to a head right now. So it's, it's almost good that this is happening. Because if Trump has to go to the Insurrection Act and arrest all these punks and thugs and sellouts, then that's what it's going to have to be. And it might be ugly for a few months in America. It might be the last resort because there's no tomorrow. This is 1776 and 2020, brother. Yeah, I mean, you know, this we're all talking now about 1776, man. I mean, you know, the Constitution and... I mean, you know, what what we're dealing with is a, is a constitutional crisis. There's no doubt about it. I mean, think about what they did. They stole the most important election of our lifetime. And, you know, I mean, it, that's probably the biggest crime, at, if not, it's one of the biggest in American history. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I would throw it up there with JFK assassination, the 9-11 false flag, and now it's uh, 
the presidency stolen from Donald Trump. You know, we are in a constitutional crisis, but I think this is the culmination of the constitutional crisis. We can go back to 100 years ago to the Federal Reserve Act in which the robber barons and the Rothschilds and Rockefellers put in this fake Federal Reserve system. Uh, we go to World War One, World War II, and subsequent wars. Where all of a sudden we're going to Vietnam, we're going to Korea, and we don't even vote on going to war anymore. Presidents just do this. Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard, I believe, in 1971. Unconstitutional money. After the 9-11 false flag, what happened? The Patriot Act. They can spy on us. They spit on the Constitution. And this here we are now, 2020, going to 2021. It's not a constitutional crisis. It's the culmination of 100 years or so of a constitutional crisis. And we're going to see it either happen or not in three weeks, my friend. I'll tell you what. I mean, wait, what did you ask? Say it again. You're cutting oh, out. I just think we got we got three weeks to fight, to figure this out before someone's elected on January 21st. Either Biden takes it or it's just going to be hell for American patriots once Biden and Harris get in. They're going to come for the guns. They're going to come on our Constitution. They're going to lock you in for 100 days. And don't think that this 100 days is just going to be 100 days. They're going to prolong it as long as they can. Yeah, I mean, they, they've come to this whole, you know, mindset of third world ideology, like Venezuela style, and, and that's their motive. I mean, they, they want the very rich so they can get all the donations, and then they want the very poor that they can control. They don't want the middle class because they don't want everyday Americans having say in this country. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's what the Great Reset's really all about. When you look at all these people and the, the World Bank system and the one world government, it's one world socialism. And right now they're training everyone to stay at home. We're going to give you some money. We're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of the COVID problem. We're going to take care of this Green New Deal. We're going to set a beautiful future for you. And you're going to sit there and be a nice little person. There's not going to be any jobs out there for you. You're not going to be able to start a business, but Walmart's going to be rolling in the cash. Don't worry about that. Target, Amazon, these billionaires double, tripled, made tons of money ever since the lockdown, and now we got 100,000 or more small businesses dying in America. And once Joe, if, if Joe Biden becomes president, in a couple of weeks, they're going to continue this, and it's going to snowball through 2021 yeah. to the point of no return for America. There's not going to be some 2022 where we're going to come win the uh, Senate or we're going to win the House. Sure. People are going to be locked sure, in their homes for two years. No, you're absolutely right. It, it, it will get ridiculous. And it will get it, it will just get out of control. Uh, David, I always love having you with us. I'm gonna get you back here next week. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, buy your book, all that good stuff. All right, thanks as always, Rory. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, the Tribulation Series. You can look for my book, The White Horse Riders, and buy it there. I also sell uh, homeschool products, so look go to homeschooleasy.com if you want to take your kids out to public school. And I look forward to hearing from you again, my friend.
Absolutely. Stay on with us if you can. we got a little bit longer in the show. Um, I am going to take a quick commercial, everybody, and then we will come right back. We will come right back with Josh Barnett, congressional candidate from Arizona. Uh, he was over at the Capitol tonight. He's got a lot to report to us about the voter fraud that is occurring over there. Stay with us. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for Daily Use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms, coming to you live. Beautiful night, Palm Springs, California. I do want to introduce to the show right now, he's with us. We have U.S. congressional candidate from Arizona, good friend of mine, Josh Barnett. He was at the Capitol tonight uh, exposing the voter fraud. Apparently there was a huge turnout. Uh, They're trying to get to the bottom of it. Obviously, Arizona representatives are being very secretive. Uh, Josh, what is going on, buddy? Hey, what's up, Rory? Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a a long long time, you know, with us, but... uh... We've always communicated yeah. in between shows, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a crazy Absolutely. night and uh, definitely um, 
uh, bigger turnout than what I expected, to be honest. What, so what's what's like? The, give us the scene down there. Give us like the you know, the, you know, the, the, just the activities. Like the, I mean, I, I imagine a lot of news outlets down there. I imagine um, a lot of different speakers. I imagine, uh, you know, but is there a lot? Is there a lot being accomplished? I mean, are these people, these representatives, budging? Are they are they seeing you know our frustration? Are are they getting it? You know, I, I think I think tonight sent a sent a clear message, especially to the board of supervisors. That, um, you know, we the people are not going to put up with you anymore. You know, you're not you're not acting on the will of the people. We're not asking you to overturn anything. Of course, you can't overturn an election that President Trump won, so <laughs> that's besides the point. But we're not asking for anything to be overturned. We're asking get the Dominion machine. So you can prove to us that only legal votes are counted. And the fact that they won't turn these machines over uh, to, uh, to us to be uh, forensically audited clearly shows that, what, you know, one of two things, either, either, you're, you're, either you're corrupt or you're corrupt. <laughs> you know, these people, there's no, there's no logical reason for a Republican, for the five Board of, board of Supervisors, for the five are Republicans. There's no logical reason for a Republican to um, not allow these to be to be audited and to be seen in regards to a Republican president. Uh, it, it's it's really it's 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 mind numbing actually when I think about it. That what's running through these guys' heads, I, I just don't know other than the fact that they're compromised uh, somehow, some way, and um, are being threatened behind the scenes or something that we don't know about. But, you know, regardless, though, I don't really care. Regardless, they need to do the right thing, and that is to give the machine um, to uh, whoever's going to be looking at these. And it could be Colonel Waldron and his team uh, to take a look at these machines and find the fraud. We know it's there. I'll, I'll put my house on it. You know what I mean? We, we know it's there. Uh, we just need to get our hands on them. And, and that's all we're asking. We're asking for a free, fair election. Yeah, and, and Josh, you know, there, there were illegal votes in your election. I mean, you know, and you deserve to know that information. And it's like if these people want to be so transparent and say that everything was fair and balanced, then what do they have to hide? Just show the results. You know what, you know what it is, Roy? They're, they're flat out lying. These guys are flat out lying. Clint Hickman's a liar. And, and yep. this guy, and the reason yep. I say that is he had, you know, we had um, the Judiciary Committee from the Senate from the state Senate, ed, uh, headed by Eddie Farnsworth. Um, uh, Senator uh, Borelli was heavily involved in that discussion as well. And and they interviewed these guys. And Clint Hickman said, oh, you know, I want to be – I want to work with you. I want to be open and, and forward and honest with you. And we want to work with you. And, and, and whatever whatever you need, we, we want to work together with it, you know. And then they come to vote, you know, the Board of Supervisors votes. And Hickman, what he do? He voted not to have the machines looked at, not to be audited. The guy's a liar. Um, he doesn't deserve to be in office. We actually had a recall started on him right now, and um, not only him, but all the board of supervisors. Uh, we're going to get their asses recalled because we're going to show these people that you are not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to betray us. You're not, you're not going to betray us. You're not going to betray us to our country, and we're not going to allow it. We're going to get you out of office. You're going to find a new job. And I'll, t- I'll tell you something. We need we need a stronger recall process because too often they get to keep their jobs and the recall doesn't work. We need 
We uh-huh. need real laws, man. I mean, it, it's just like they get away with everything. It's, it's absolutely absurd. And all they do is jerk each other, jerk each other off all day and play political theater. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. And, and what we did is um, we've actually kind of taken the lead on it. Um, as far as 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 the uh, as far as the recall, and we got Steve Vanna behind it. We've got um, the, the the war room and all those guys behind it. Uh, we're raising yeah. money. Uh, we are yeah. we're, we're going all in, and uh, we're going to make sure it gets done. And I guarantee you, you know, and I and I and I told you know my campaign manager Steve Shelby, another one's you know heading a lot of this up as well, um, if not right. all of it, to be honest with you. Um, you know they. Uh, you know, we're getting money behind it. We're getting people put in positions to make sure this gets accomplished. And and to uh, get rid of one of these guys will set a precedent for future legislators here in Arizona. And we're going to make sure, you know, regardless, we're, I mean, we're, we're going to make sure these, these guys never hold office in Arizona ever again, period, no matter what it is. So we, we kind of formed this thing. It's called um, on, on Twitter, it's We the People, AZ Alliance. And I, I encourage everybody to get on there and follow us. Uh, we, we're basically going to be, you know, we're protecting Arizonans from politicians who refuse to do the work of the people. It's that simple. And uh, and we're gonna, it's it's a way for us to hold these uh, these these corrupt rhinos accountable and Democrats accountable uh, to the people. Uh, we the people, uh, you know, we all the power is inherent in the people, and we're here to, to claim that power back. I agree. I agree, and I love it. I love everything you're doing, and you've been doing a lot, you know, and even doing, you know, making businesses private. I mean, that's a huge thing. You've saved so many lives yeah. doing that, and a lot of people don't even know that route, route, or or or, or you know, thing thing they can do. I mean, they don't. A lot of people don't don't even know that law, but you kind of open that door, and that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's honestly, I mean, outside of, uh, of you know politics and anything that can be done politically, um, one of the best decisions I ever made was uh, to one try it on myself to make sure it works right. <laughs> but you know, my my good friend David Jose, um, he's a constitutional expert. He's a he's a, a PMA expert at the Private Membership Association, which is moving businesses into private. Uh, he told me, yeah. hey, I can help you out. I think we, I think we have something here. So we met, yeah. and I said, let's do it. And then now we got about, I think, 88 different businesses now moved into the private nationwide because it can be done it can be, it can be done nationwide with any type of business. Um, you know, uh, we started with gyms because I knew a lot of gym owners around the country, and uh, they were getting hammered pretty good. So we started with them, and I started reaching out. And then, then we actually get – now we have uh, barbershops. We got, we got restaurants are moving in. It's just a little di- – it's a slightly different business model for these people than what they're used to traditionally. But once they yeah. learn the advantages of it and, and, and never being messed with ever again, and and, and, it, and there's tax benefits as well. You know, there's some tax benefits as well to it. So, you know, when, we, when uh, David sits down with these people and they say, hey, here's what you can do. Here's how you do it. They're blown away. It's all, it almost sounds too good to be true. Like it's too simple. Like it's too easy. But um, – you know, we've done it, like I said, 88 times. We've had uh, two counties that tried to fight us, and, and we took them to arbitration, and we kicked their butts, and we financially hammered them. And uh, Tommy Trillibus out in New Jersey got $1.2 million in arbitration, and John Franco Coliseum Boot Camp in California won $455,000 in arbitration. 
so the next step from there yeah. is we have a constitutional attorney that we work with. We're, she's going to be the one that's suing, um, suing for the money, basically. And so now we have, we have a constitutional attorney we're working with as well to, to get that money. And like I said, how, how, how do you punish people uh, that, are, that are, are doing these tyrannical orders? Well, you hammer them, you take their money. And that'll, get, that'll, that'll allow them to teach them, hey, you're not going to mess with us. And if you do, we're going to punish you financially. And, and we're seeing regardless of what, what these politicians put in place, a lot of these judges are siding with these business owners and understanding where they're coming from. So, I mean, in, in yeah. reality, in the, in the end, it always goes to court. And usually with these sort of circumstances – we see the business owner prevail as, as long as the judge is not crooked, yeah. you know? Well, yeah. And well, that's, that's a big problem right now is there's a lot of crooked judges, but you're right. There have been a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, um, judges that have said, Hey, this is unconstitutional. This is not going to happen. You know, the problem right. is up to that point, these people are really getting hammered. They're getting, they're getting these fake fines. I call them uh, from their, their health departments and all these people. And, you know, honestly, the people that work for these departments that are doing this should feel ashamed they they should they should, you know they got to answer to God someday you know what I mean and they they need to look yeah. at themselves and look at what they're doing uh, to the people in their own communities it's 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 disgusting really when you think about it it's it's um it's like it's like one of those things if you're a police officer when you you know oh, I'm giving an order I'm just gonna follow them. Well, you're like a brown shirt then think for yourself is it constitutional you know and um, you don't have to do anything that's yeah. not constitutional you know it's not your job description so um, you know we just ask people. You know, put yourself in that business owner's shoes, and, and, and what, what what would you do? You know, and um, it's yeah. it's the the one thing that that David and I, you know, we've discussed many countless hours is, um, you know, we're we're trying to take take that control away from the government. Period. No matter what, power away, and we're putting the power back into the people. And that that's one thing I'm most proud of in regards to anything I've done with my campaign or any type of reach out politically is is showing the people that they have the power to move into the private and there's nothing the government can do or say to them anymore. They don't have to worry about it. It's like a peace of mind that, that you can't buy, <laughs> you know, when you know, when you go from thinking you're going to be shut down, you're losing everything, you know, you have no money to open with no restrictions. It's, it's definitely a great feeling. I love it. Jo- Josh, I, I love, I love ever I love everything you're doing. I love having you on the show. You're you're a great friend. You're you're a great value. You're a great wealth of information. Always amazing insight. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you and get involved. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, Barnett for AZ on Twitter and Instagram. It's also Josh Barnett for Congress on Facebook and then BarnettforAZ.com. Um, you can also, like I said, um, check out We the People AZ Alliance.com. That's the new website that uh, we're, we'll be pushing as far as holding these, these, uh, these rhinos accountable here in Arizona. Uh, we're going to have recall through there. We have money being donated. Like I said, with Steve Bannon and the war rooms helping. So that's we, the people, azalliance.com to check that out. Go to the Twitter page there too. follow us. We just started it uh, yesterday. So hop on there, follow us. And, um, we, we got to fight tyranny. We can't put up with this any longer. This, this can no longer go on. I agree. I agree. Well, Josh, We'll get you. We'll get you back very soon. Happy New Year. God bless. Much love, my friend. I'll talk, and I'll I'll talk to you in the next couple of days. Oh, yeah, we usually sure. text back. We te- we text back and forth. So for sure, for sure, man. Have a great New Year. 
And, um, you know, 2021 is going to be, um, man, January 6th is going to be epic. So let's, 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 are you uh, going, are you going? You know, I might, I might still be going last minute. I might still be going last minute. We, um, I've, uh, I, we, we have a big thing going on at the Capitol here as well. So they were, they were asking us cause we were the, uh, Steve and Shelby, the ones heading that kind of stuff up right now. So, um, so I might, if I do, it's going to be last minute. But I have a lot of friends that are going to be there as well, so I'll be able to link up with them and some of the congressmen, you know, from here in Arizona. Yeah, I might, I might go. I'm leaning toward, I'm leaning towards yes, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but Josh, always, always a pleasure having you with us, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, man. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. We have, we have with us U.S. congressional, U.S. congressional candidate, talk show host. Uh, Dr. Nasir Sheikh. What's up, buddy? Hey, how you doing, Rory? How's everything going? Doing very well, man. Um, you know, just another day, you know, only less than 48 hours uh, to take in this miserable, you know, year. And then, uh, you know, hopefully 2021 treats us much better. Uh, hopefully it does. But you know what they say, uh, any day and hopefully it stays the same. But, you know, I start this all the time with my show and say, it's just another great day to be alive and well and free and living in the United I States agree. of America. So let's hope we can continue that. Um, and, you know, you're right. What? There's a lot of people out there that are suffering, a lot of people that are hurting. So, you know, we want to, you know, send our prayers and everything out for them too. But, you know, what we still live, at least for now, the best nation that God ever created and the freest nation that God ever created. So let's just hope that that continues. That's all we can help and pray for. So true. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And what's new with you? What's the latest? What's the 411? Well, you know, I think uh, I got on a little bit, so I didn't hear, get a chance to hear some of your earlier guests talk about it. So if I talk about something that's already been discussed, um, you know, just let me know. But, I'll tell you what, um, this whole thing with Josh Hawley, I mean, I talk about this, you know, on my show. I love write about it. Basically I love say him, that, man. I think, yes. he should be, I think he should be president someday. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, this whole thing, and we talked about this on the previous show, has always been predicated on what is Michael Pence going to do. I mean, that's really the linchpin yeah. that this whole thing revolves yeah. around. And yeah. if Mike Pence wants to have a political career, if he wants to have a, any type of a career, I believe, right, he needs to step up to the plate. And we're not asking him to do anything illegal. We're just asking him to do what is constitutionally mandated. And I have something to share with your audience, and that is if people go, and you can take a look at this, and you can see in Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, basically what it does is, is that it gives the state legislatures, what they call plenary authority. And this is what we talked about in Bush v. Gore. What does that mean, plenary authority? What that means is that they have absolute power. As presiding officer on January 6th, the Constitution gives Vice President Pence, who's the president of the Senate, all the authority that it needs. Any ambiguity that the courts have talked about or people are wanting, guess what? He's a presiding officer. He decides what objections he's going to uh, say okay to or what objections he's going to not say okay to. And guess what? 
you have precedent from, actually, uh, if you take a look at this thing, in terms of with Thomas Jefferson back in 1800, when there was some defective electoral votes from the state of Georgia, believe it or not. Georgia was at the center of something back in the 1800s. And guess what he did? He counted those defective electoral votes, and he effectively voted himself into the presidency then. So there is precedent for this, and we're not asking him to do anything illegal. We're just asking him to do what the Constitution mandates. And now with, guess what? We were always wondering, weren't we, Rory? Who is going to stand up with Mo Brooks? Who is going to stand up with Devin Nunez? Who's going to stand up with Jim Jordan? Who's going to stand up with Louis Gohmert on the Senate side? Now we have our Jeffersonian. We've got our Lincoln. We've got our founding father. And in 1776, America needed founding fathers. You know what we need right now, Rory? We need saving fathers. That's who we need. We need saving fathers. And Josh Hawley stepped up to the plate. And Mo, and guess what? Tommy Tuberville is going to do that. I believe Rand Paul Adow is going to step in line. I think, you know, Ted Cruz. Where are these people? Where's Lindsey Graham? Where's Senator Scott of South Carolina? Where are these people? That's who we need to stand up for. Your thoughts? I agree. I mean, you know, and you got, you got the phonies, the backstabbers like Lindsey Graham and all these rhinos and all these people that won't, you know, they'll defend the president when it's convenient for them, but you know, it, it, it kind of surprises, surprises me that we only have one person from the Senate so far. And, I mean, we've seen how great Holly is. I mean, he's been an amazing fighter with big tech. He's gone after them more than anyone, uh, which is pivotal, which is huge. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people in Congress are stepping up. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, we need to really hold accountable these rhinos, these fake Lindsey Grahams and these Mitch McConnell's, oh, God, I can't stand Mitch McConnell. And all these just scumbags. I mean, they're they're so phony. I mean, sometimes they act so – I mean, listen, without Mitch McConnell, we wouldn't have the 213 federal judges that have been pushed through. But they do it on that level. And then when it comes to something else, it's like, it's like you said, they completely disappear. I mean, Lindsey Graham, when he stood up and went after everybody in the Senate, those hearings, with Brett Kavanaugh, that was like, what? That was unbelievable. And we all stood up and said – there's a Lindsey Graham we know. That's a, I mean, that's a Lindsey Graham we want. And then you hear Mitch McConnell basically saying, you know what? Um, hey, listen, um, Tommy Tuberville, uh, you know, I know you're just starting out in the Senate here. And, you know, we don't want you to stand up and object. And, you know, I mean, all those backhanded shenanigans that are going on, you know, the backstabbing that occurs. And, of course, he's part of the elite in Washington, D.C., just like your other previous guest said. I mean, his wife, you know, she's an American. I mean, she's of Chinese descent. But guess what? I mean, you don't think that they've got stuff going on? I mean, businesses that are being dealt, I mean, with China and those kind of things that could affect their livelihood. And then what's this whole thing about? Did you see the, did you see the text that, he, that, 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 um, that McConnell basically said about the $2,000 stimulus checks? He said, we don't want that going, okay, to what? To Democratic people and to a people whose incomes are not being affected, whose aren't being affected? What about the it's billions and trillions of dollars they're sending out to other countries, foreign countries out there? Exactly. I just, I was talking no, about that what about earlier. their, we I'm were like, worried about their income? All these foreign countries, but they won't give the people in their own country that are hurting the money that need it the most. 
I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, just think, I mean, you know, I mean, I tell this all the time. I said, you know, my, you know, my, my ethnicity, I mean, I'm an American here, you know, born and bred in this country, but you know what? You, you take a look at your ethnic background. I mean, we've got some Indian and Persian and Pakistani and blood in our, in, you know, in, you know, mixed all around in us and our family. And then I hear that they're sending $10 million to Pakistan for gender studies so they can tell people over there that a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man and that they can use bathrooms differently and they make their pronouns in the different languages over there. <laughs> I mean, what are they, nuts? They're out of, I mean, it's just, out of control. Unbelievable. They're, they're, they're out of their freaking intercoursing minds. And I no, they, don't want to really, use the really effort on your show, but I'll use it. Yeah, oh, no, they are. Huh. No, you're absolutely right. And I want... I want um, I, I do I, I want you to stay with us. I got a, I got a couple more guests, but tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get involved. Perfect. Listen, if they go, they can go to our YouTube channel, which is the Nasser Shake Show. They can go to my website, which is my name, D R, and then N A S I R S H A I K H dot com, Doctor Nasser Shake dot com. They can go to our um, TV show, which is A U N hyphen TV dot com. Or ccrshow.com, that's uh, conservecommandosradioshow.com, and Facebook, too. So there's a whole bunch of places they can go to see our show and see me as well. All right? Thanks so much, Rory. Appreciate it, brother. I love it. I love it. Stay with us. Um, I I want to introduce, uh, I believe we have activists with us, Gabe Foley. Gabe, what's going on, buddy? What's new? Oh, hey, Rory. How's it going? Doing great. Good, man. Loving your show. You got so many uh, experts on there. I'm, I'm always like uh, humbled that you invited me on. Thank you, man. Well, I always love having you here. Uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, what's on your mind, man? What's new? Oh, what what could be on my mind more than just uh, this this uh, political roller coaster that we're going through that everybody has to deal with? Just you know, to do simple things like go to the bank and. Freaking wait in line outside, and you know, there's only like f- three people in there, and you have to wait outside just to get in. You know, it's like insane. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm, I'm been counting the, uh, I don't, not too many people are, are talking about the actually how many congressmen are, are in for this protest. So far, I counted 28. That's a lot, it seems like. Um, and, uh, yeah. and also, it seems like uh, Tim Scott, I mean, he should be totally in. He was even uh, on stage with uh, Lynn Wood. And, uh, you know, Lynn Wood's been saying some pretty provocative stuff lately. Um, so it seems like Tim Scott should should have been. I, I, I thought for sure he already said he was going to do that. I think, I think but, he'll uh, do it. I think he will. I think he's one of the loyal ones. And I see, like, Ted Cruz and probably Rand Paul and, Rand Paul too, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see. Right. So I think I, I think we got a you know a big lineup there, but yeah, in the end, really, it's it's Mike Pence. He's got the the whole nation on his chest right now. Will he cave? You know, I don't know. I mean, I always I, thought he was I, a good guy. I seriously, I, I worry. I mean, I go back and forth. Like Pence is a good guy. But it also, he's also a politician, man. We never know. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, Lynn Wood, he, he just tweeted something out uh, not too long ago. He was talking about John uh, John Robertson, and you have that guy on there who is so fascinating. I 
I didn't get to write down his name, and you didn't tweet it out. I was wondering if you could spell it so I could look him up. Uh, the JFK, well, the doctor, the, uh, forensic, the, for- the forensic scientist, the one that autopsied uh, JFK and all John Benet yeah. Ramsey and O.J. Simpson, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'll get you, I'll get you his info. Yeah, he's got he's got like forty five or fifty books. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. He, he know, was our first he? guest. Yeah. He, he was on at the very beginning. Yeah, and this this uh, Warren Commission, uh, Warren, what was his name? Uh, Warren, uh, Earl Warren was the Chief Justice. At the time, uh, Kennedy was assassinated, and right now, John Roberts is the Chief Justice. And they're both, you know, well-connected with the, uh, you know, this Skull and Bones uh, secret society, you know. And, and the, John Roberts' wife, is uh, at one time worked for this uh, Pillsbury, Winthrop, Shaw, and Pittman, and they're one of the oldest uh, law firms in America. They're all all connected with this uh, Illuminati uh, skull and bones thing. So I thought oh, that yeah, was no, quite I, Well, yeah, I mean, all this stuff is just, it, it's going to get interesting, man. And January 6th can't come soon enough. Um, I want you to. Um, definitely get. I, here's the thing. I, I wanna. I gotta get to one more person, but I want you to come back on uh, next week. Um, I want to give you a lot more time. Let's talk about a lot more things. But tell everybody where sure. to connect and get get involved with you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, at Gabriel Foley on Twitter, and I'm, I'm mostly on Twitter there. I like it. But hopefully, they they won't kick me off. You know. <laughs> All right. So no. talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. I hear. I hear. I hear you, man. No, I hope they don't kick me off either, man. This tech censorship is getting crazy. I know. All right, take care. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. I want to uh, introduce law enforcement official and um, North Carolina State uh, Senate candidate. Uh, we have with us Rick Padgett. Rick, how are you? Lori, how are you doing today? How's life treating you? Uh, you know, hanging in there, doing well, you know, uh, just uh, ready for this year to be over. Yeah, me too. Because let me tell you, I was listening to your guest earlier about the John F. Kennedy assassination and all. I've always been intrigued yeah. with that. And one of the things that I, I actually talked to a Secret Service agent that had a little bit different yeah. spin on it. And uh, yeah. he says back, in the, back when this happened that the shot that was fired was absolutely a shot fired from somebody else's round. But an overzealous, hungover Secret Service agent may have fired a shot to kill Kennedy from behind the motorcade. And that he had a his gun, he had his thing on the trigger too quick, and when he swung around, that's when the shot hit the president. And this guy swears up that he believes it 100%. He said he was, a, he was assigned to the Secret Service back then, and it became such a big, big mess, and it, everything went down, lockdown, shutdown mode, that they didn't really want to put that out there. Had you ever heard that? I, I've heard something similar to that. I mean, there's so many different stories are surrounding it. It's it's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it was so easy back then. It was so easy back then because they didn't have the technology yep. they do now. Well, you know, I always thought that the, to me. Now, if I'm a criminal, I'm thinking out loud now. If I'm a criminal, one of the most yeah. secure spots if you're going to take somebody out in a motorcade like that. You know, yep. down in Dallas, they have the underground drain. The, the, where, where you have the drainage that comes off the street, and you can you can so many spots that you can walk actually walk under there, 
And and when you hear that shot, and I I used to turn it loud on my, my stereo way back in the day my, and, and listen to it, and you can almost hear this little ting sound. And I always wondered what that ting was. And I got to thinking one day, and, you know, we, we cops, we kind of think about what, what, what could be. We don't know the facts on something, but we think, well, maybe this or maybe that. And I always thought, you know, it, it could be somewhere that, where you had that street drainage, you know, that little ting that you heard could have been yeah. the sound from around, you know. So, you know, we, we think all kinds of theories when it comes to that. So, I mean, it's one of those things, it's almost like they say, oh, the records are sealed. You won't see it for 50 years. Well, you know what? It's coming, gone. Nobody knows, still don't know any more today than they do then. And I don't think it's ever designed because I do believe, and, and, you know, we talk about a deep state, and that deep state face changes, and it changes with the times. And that deep state just gets more evil and evil and evil, and they're all more about power and control. And they're all more about global control now. It's not just local control. It's global control. So our deep state's not just our country. It's the people who reach in from outside our country that are controlling what goes on here. Take China and places like that. But if you look back, personally, you know, in the cases that I've always investigated, remember I said, I always look at that triangle. There's a triangle. There's always this triangle factor that you look at your evidence and place your evidence in and work your way out. But think about this. You, in the 60s, you had John F. Kennedy. You had Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy, all three assassinated. What did every one of them have in common? Lyndon, Lyndon Baines Johnson. Every one of them. Yeah. LBJ. Oh, it's true. And Rick, you Rick, Rick, and, it's true. Rick, no, Rick, you're absolutely, yeah. you're absolutely right. And and Rick, I, I, I do, I do got to close out, I do got to close out the show here in like about a minute. But I want to get you back here next week. I want to talk to you a lot more. Um, sorry about the shortage of, of time, but tell everybody That's where they can fine. connect with you. Yeah, you can get me on uh, – go to my YouTube channel because you can communicate with me on there. I'm trying to kick that thing off because somebody's got to fight the fight. We've got to get the message out there. Um, go yeah. to NC uh, Space First Response, and that's it, NC First Response. Or you can go to my email or you can go to my website. Um, you know, is sharepolice.com. So you can find me there. I'm easy to find. I'm on email there. So, and always remember, I tell everybody today, I'm not here to raise money. I'm here to raise hell. So that's what we need to do. That's what we need to keep doing. I love it, man. God bless you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Um, just some final thoughts I want to tell, obviously, the audience. Um, people are making a big deal about President Trump's pardons. But I think his pardons have been fantastic. I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody. He, he's uh, taken off the hook. Um, if we want to talk about dirty pardons, let's look at the Democrats in recent years. Um, I did not mention earlier about the Nashville explosion. Obviously, that had something to do with trying to cover up the voter fraud. I will get more into that next week uh, because this is a story that we need more details on. I mean, this is such a cover-up. It's unbelievable. It's it's absolutely atrocious what they got away with it. And this, they had a fall guy just like they do with all their shit. And they figured this out within 24 hours, the FBI, and they can't figure out uh, Hunter Biden and Hillary and all these other people. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's the weirdest thing. By the way, fun fact before we go, this year ICE deported more than 185,000 illegal aliens, 185,000 illegal aliens. What an accomplishment. 
everybody. We are out of time. The timer is out. I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. I love you all. Um, happy New Year. Happy New Year. I will see you all next week. Until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers. <laughs>